Uh, good afternoon. Good evening. Good, uh, hello, everybody. How are you? I am your host, Dave McHugh, and welcome into Hoopsville. It uh, took us a little while to get on the air. If you're trying to tune in live, if you listen to the podcast, it doesn't really matter. But we are back on the air and finally here, and we hope you uh, enjoy the show. Lots to talk about in Division Three basketball. Sorry for our delay. A little bit of tech issues behind the scene. Nothing to do with the tweet I put out about the lovely dinner I was having. Um, everything to do. Which is some issues on the tech side. They, they prop up when we can't con control them, needless to say. I hope you uh, will enjoy the show. If you've got questions for us, you can always tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. You can join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where we are simulcasting the broadcast. Hope everybody can get a chance to tune in and watch that if need be, etc., uh, etc. Et Lots of ways, as we always say, to tune into the show. We hope you'll take advantage of them. We try and keep up to, uh, in as many forms as we can as to where you are asking questions. So ask them. Just be also cognizant. There could be a delay. We may not be able to get to something. It's part of the course. I'm skipping around. I'm actually lost one of my three monitors, which is making things a little bit more difficult, meaning I'm not going to be able to see as much as I normally do. But we will do what we can. Lots to talk about, as we said. It was another one of those weeks. We saw it Wednesday. Obviously, when we talked on Thursday's show, we were already discussing the fact that we are in for a rocky uh, week of games because we had already had a number of upsets, especially in the top ten. Um, it continued, <laughs> no surprise, um, with buzzer beaters and rallies. And, I mean, Wash U had a battle with Chicago on the men's side, almost pulled off a birthday uh, gift for Mike McGrath's Chicago team. Mike McGrath celebrating his birthday. They almost pulled off the big upset of Wash U, but Wash U rallied from behind to win by one on Saturday. Um, Worcester... Uh, got past Ohio Wesleyan, though I think there was some argument as to whether that was a uh, a good uh, finish. There, there may have been a travel that someone got away with. Uh, let's see. Uh, Wash U again uh, beat Chicago. They, they actually scored the last eight points of the game, which was pretty impressive. Buzzer beater in uh, the NJAC. Uh, TCNJ beat Ramapo, who has now lost a few in a row. Uh, on a buzzer beater, and we may try and bring you that, but uh, we're having issues across the board, even with email, if you can believe it. We'll try again to start our email, but we're having issues with everything today on multiple computers, so it hasn't been great, uh, but we'll get to it. Um, yeah, emails may not even start up on our main computer, but we'll keep an eye on things. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, River Falls uh, was able to... Um, get past uh, Whitewater. Sorry, number three, River Falls got past number five, Whitewater. That was one of the other crazy finishes uh, in uh, in men's basketball yesterday. It just it just added to the craziness, to say the least. I know there's a ton of things being discussed in the top 25 boards. I can't even read them because I'm just trying to get to the, uh, the uh, latest – poll from our Daryl Nestor, who usually puts up who, who finished what. It's my easy way of figuring out who did what in each top 25. And here we go. Um, Whitman is about the only one unscathed in the top 10. Uh, they got past Pacific and Lewis Clark. No surprise. Augustana, as we know, lost to Illinois Wesley and at least rebounded against Milliken. 
We mentioned River Falls getting past Whitewater last night. Of course, they had lost to Stevens Point, as we mentioned. Middlebury lost two out of three. They had a top 15 battle against Wesleyan that Wesleyan won. Of course, Wesleyan had lost to Williams. So there's one of those uh, trilogies you got to figure out. Um, Williams defeated Wesleyan. Wesleyan defeated Middlebury. Where do you put everybody? Whitewater, as we mentioned, lost. Lycoming, as we talked about with their head coach on Thursday, lost to Leval, but then came back to beat Stevenson by 12. Well, that game wasn't even that close. It was like a 30-point game at one point. Oshkosh beat Whitewater, as we point out, or lost to Whitewater earlier in the week, but then got back and, and beat Lacrosse. Um, Ohio Wesleyan lost to Worcester by three, as we discussed. Uh, Wesleyan, as we discussed, beat uh, lost to Williams and then beat Middlebury. Wartburg lost to Coe. New Jersey City lost to Montclair State. That was back on Wednesday, but at least got past Rowan this weekend. Nichols took their second loss of the season, this time to Western New England in overtime, 194. Rochester lost to Emory, 82-62. 18-point loss by Rochester Emory. Uh, to quote Ryan, we'll talk to him later. Emory may be finally clicking, something we've all been waiting for. Juniata suffered its first loss of the season. They barely got past Lancaster Bible. We talked to him about them on the show Last week, per or last show, per question, Catholic blitzed them 82 70. I don't even think it was that close. Um, Hanover, who was receiving votes, lost yet again in the middle of the week. Uh, I don't know if we mentioned it on Thursday's show, but they lost by two to Rose Holman. Uh, Albright suffered another loss. Uh, they're going to probably pop out of my top 25. Marymount beat them 80, 60 to 58. Amherst lost twice this weekend. They're now seven and four. I don't know how much more the Mammoths. We'll get votes in the top 25. I haven't voted for them all season, but Eastern Connecticut beat them by three, and then Trinity Connecticut beat them by six in two very different games. Uh, Amherst uh, lost to Eastern Connecticut 95-92 and then lost to Trinity 69-63. Trinity's got a few good games this season. Nebraska Wesleyan took its first loss of the season, losing to Buena Vista. Uh, they did get past Luther, but Buena Vista beat them 91-75. Bethel lost, uh, Westminster lost, and Gwen and Mercy lost. So, a lot of teams who are receiving votes took hits, as it were. Um, to be, I'm not overly surprised at this point because we're getting used to seeing losses. It's it's almost impossible not to see losses. Um, on the women's side, it's even crazy. Oshkosh lost twice. Came into the week undefeated, ten and zero. They lost to Whitewater on Wednesday. Lost to Lacrosse on Saturday. Uh, so the Titans taking a bit of a hit. Tufts lost. Uh, a second time, this time the Bowden 66-53. The, the, the Tufts, who had been number one going into the holidays, has lost two out of three games, I think, or at least two out of four. Uh, Marymount upended Christopher Newport on, uh, on uh, what was that? It was Saturday, 77-67. Uh, we mentioned Trine had lost to Hope earlier in the week. They at least ended their losing streak by beating Olivet rather easily. Rochester had to survive against Emory, 72-68 in double overtime, but at least one. Uh, Whitewater, as we pointed out, had beaten Oshkosh earlier in the week. Well, then they lost to River Falls. The WIAC race on both the men's and women's side is going to be crazy to watch. Ohio Northern looked really good on the women's side, beating Marietta 72-57. Of course, Marietta, uh, kind of the darling, that's their first loss of the season uh, but nonetheless, a good top 20 battle there. Wash U lost to Chicago, 76 or 82-76. Of course, this is on the women's side. Randolph-Macon, which was getting votes, had a bad week, taking two losses to Shenandoah and Eastern Mennonite. Rochester Tech lost early to Rochester, though that's probably not too much of a surprise. 
Um, Bluffton lost to Transylvania, but they got two more wins. So even on the women's side, things are crazy. And we are getting in, um, emails from individuals, and we certainly appreciate it. Uh, we will get to some of these as soon as we can. We're running a little bit behind tonight. So if you don't mind sticking around, we will get to those questions a little bit later. Um, Ira Thor sharing on Facebook that he's doing his ballot now, and I want to drive a nail through my keyboard. <laughs> Absolutely agree. I'm looking at my top 25. I haven't uh, started the process yet, though I have the printout, and, of course, I have my old ballot. I'm trying to think. Um, Augustana, they lost, right? Um, trying to double check that. No, I don't have it. Of course I don't have it in front of me. I thought I had it in front of me. I got to keep that men's top 25. What do they do list just directly in front of me? Um, here we go. Yeah, so Augustana lost. So that's my number two team lost. My number three team lost. Number uh, four team lost this week. Number five team lost this week. Number six team lost this week. Number seven team lost this week. So two through seven so far are losses. Uh, St. John's at least won for me. Williams, uh, Williams won this week. So eight and nine are okay. My number 10 team lost. My number 11 team lost. Though in my ballot, they lost to a higher-ranked team and they beat a higher-ranked team. That's Wesleyan. Uh, MIT, well, they won. So I've got, I got three so far between 8 and 12. Wartburg lost. Ramapo lost. Whitewater lost. York didn't. York at least keeps, to, keeps on winning. They got past Salisbury this week, 84-81. That's a solid win uh, for the Spartans. Uh, Nichols lost. Let's see, where else here? Rochester lost. Wittenberg at least won. They won twice, so that's good. Uh, Baldwin-Wallace. Uh, let's see. I have Baldwin-Wallace sitting in my 20 spot, and Baldwin-Wallace is receiving votes. They at least won twice. St. Norbert is in my 21 spot, and St. Norbert won twice, including over Grinnell in a relatively low-scoring affair, 97-85. John Carroll is in my top 25, and they won both times. Skidmore, uh, they, lo well, they won both, though they got past Union in overtime, 94-83. Albright lost, we mentioned, and of course Hamilton, and Hamilton won twice. So here's the crazy part for me. Outside of Whitman in my number one slot, most of my top ten lost. The middle third was split, and the bottom third won. That causes chaos in the top 25, plain and simple. There's almost nothing you can do in that scenario that you're going to be happy with um, because you want to it's in a scenario where you want to move the teams that lost possibly down. You want to move the teams that won up. But when you have the very top winning and the very bottom or very top losing and the very bottom winning, I'm not one to just flip my ballot. I I, I have Albright and Hamilton. Well, a bad example in Albright. I have Skidmore, Hamilton, John Carroll, St. Norbert, and Baldwin Wallace in my last five slots because I think they're one of the last five teams, not because I think they're one of the first five teams. I'm not going to suddenly move them all up into the top five. It doesn't make any sense. But there's it, it, this might be the perfect week to just blow up the ballot. Uh, apparently, we're going to have some icy snow in. We have a broken washing machine here in this lovely home. Uh, getting a new one tomorrow shipped in. While I'm doing laundry, I can blow up my top 25. I have plenty of time. Oh, also a dead battery in my car, so I'm not driving anywhere. So I've got time to blow up my ballot, but it's going to be complicated because not only are the 25 teams I'm voting for, there's teams that, if you read my blog, are also in the conversation that I haven't voted for. 
Lie coming, of course, they lost. Uh, Juniata, of course, they lost. Whitworth, I think they won, so at least I got one in there. Emery and Henry, we'll talk to them. They got through a good weekend. At least maybe I can kind of lean on the Wasps a little bit. But it's not going to be easy for top 25 voters, and I don't blame Ira for saying he's going to put a nail through his keyboard. I, I used to joke every once in a while on the blog about uh, erasing through the paper. I might end up erasing through the paper or using lots of pieces of paper. Um, and again, here's our top 25 printout with everything on it. The one thing I can promise you, the one thing I can promise you about my top 25, Whitman's number one. <laughs> That's all I've got. The rest of it's going to be blown up. Um, and it's good, too. It's frustrating as a voter because you, you, you're you going to have to spend some time. You're going to have to dive in. You're going to have to look around to see if you're missing something. You're going to feel unsure about yourself. That's rough. But as a, as a fan of Division Three, this is awesome because we get good games and we get good competition and none of it, none of it's laissez-faire. Even the women have to look at their ballots a little bit more and really dive into things. I mean, Oshkosh lost twice. Insane. So that's kind of what's going on in my head after another crazy week. Um, I see a bunch of emails coming through, folks. Uh, I will definitely get to some of those here as soon as I can. Really appreciate it. Uh, and so on and so forth. Haven't even talked about the guests we have on. Let's talk about the guests that we have on tonight. Coming up after the break, we will talk women's basketball. Go to Tim Shanahan at Staten Island. Team's having a pretty good season. They recently lost to MIT, but that's not, not the end of the world, as it were. Um, one person I know says they think they're a second weekend team in the NCAA tournament. I wonder if Tim agrees. We'll talk to him coming up. Then we'll head out to the central region. Roy Maholland from Greenville women's basketball team will join us. Fascinated in the Panthers. See how they're doing in the SLIAC. Then we'll come back to the East Coast and debut the NABC Coaches Corner. Charlie Brock from Springfield will join us. You'll love to hear what the team does during the winter intercession at Springfield with local elementary students. Uh, terrific program. We'll talk to Charlie Brock about that. Of course, he's one of the uh, vice presidents on the uh, NABC board. Then we'll head down to southwestern Virginia. Talk to David Wilson of Emory & Henry. We will talk to the Wasps. As you know on this show sometimes as a voter, I've got questions for a team. I will use the platform if I can to get those questions answered. What are we missing or don't understand about the Wasps that maybe we should know? And man, they will get votes, I would assume, at this point, but we'll find out more from them. And then we'll wrap up the show with a top 25 preview per se. We don't have a really catchy name yet. We will come up with one, but Ryan Scott will join us as well. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC Studios. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. And, of course, you can... Uh, I said email. You can always find other ways to get a hold of us. Again, emails are lined up. I appreciate it. We will get to them. Technical difficulties with a monitor down makes us a little bit more challenging, but we will do our best. That's it for now. We'll be back. Women's basketball, Staten Island, Tim Shanahan, coming up next on Hoopsville. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name is Marcus Walker. 
I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I did and welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, as we said, email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Tweet us at d3hoopsville or hashtag hoopsville. Or find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. There are a number of people who are commenting on the Facebook page. I'm a little discombobulated tonight, warning you now. We've lost a monitor for whatever reason. Every once in a blue moon, it just doesn't want to light on. Uh, the computer refuses to uh, accept it for whatever, for whatever reason. Um, so anyway, my point being, as I thought I'd just played a little ditty for oh that's because i there we go um there we go um as a result I'm, I'm used to things in certain places they're not in those places so i'm trying to read across over here to the one thing over to here to another maybe in front of my screen so bear with us as we get going here tonight on the show we're also a little bit behind so we're going to keep going i i ended up saying sir to our next guest it's a habit of mine uh dates back from my tv days where we called everybody sir in a newsroom um, it wasn't bec it wasn't a respect thing, and I don't mean that negatively. He's just like, hey, sir, what's up, sir? How you doing, sir? Uh, so I said that to my guest, and he said, hey, stop it. I was called sir enough in my previous career. We have a whole other line of questioning now to start off with, but let's talk about the Staten Island women's basketball team. 11-2 and two on the season, not too shabby. Maybe not the, the most incredible schedule ever conceived in the world, but they also have a cancellation against the team that made news over the holidays in New Jersey City. That said... They were 22 and 7 last year. They're the class of the of the CUNYAC at this point in time. And one person I know pretty well who sometimes is pretty much on and sometimes is a little bit aloof. Uh, he said, "Listen, they could make the second week of the NCAA tournament depending on matchups without question." Well, let's find out if any of that is remotely true. T joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline sponsored by the City of Salem is Tim Shanahan, head coach of Staten Island. Coach, thanks for taking the time. Uh, thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me. And whoever uh, you spoke to, uh, the cart before the horse is the proverbial saying <laughs> with that one. Trust oh, I, me, I agree. Uh, I, I still got the crux of my CUNY schedule to go through. <laughs> and uh, trust me, trust me, uh, <laughs> 
uh, your mouth to God's ear, so to speak, being a good Catholic boy. <laughs> I hear you. I understand. I I'm, I mentioned it a couple times now because I know he's listening to the show, so it's a little bit of a shot at him because when you guys unfortunately lost to MIT, I sent a note mm-hmm. to him going, uh, you sure about your predictions? Um, listen, but not all of that aside, you are 11. The squad is 11 and 2. You're yeah. coming off a pretty solid season last year. I, yeah. I know the CUNYAC can fly under a lot of radars. It doesn't yeah. with us because we want to talk to as many people as possible. So tell me, what does this 11-2 and two truly mean for you guys in this season? Well, you know, look, I, it sounds odd. I, I spoke to John Alisi yesterday. We played Baruch, and I spoke to John, the men's coach there, who's a very good friend of mine. Uh, my son coached, uh, not coached, my son played for John, and so I have a very good relationship. And I'm bemoaning the fact that I'm not happy we were at 9-2 and two yesterday. And he goes, <laughs> looks at me, and he goes, Timmy, yeah, I'm 6-6. Six and six. And, and I go, John, and he goes, I understand where you're coming from. You know, a lot of it is smoke and mirrors. Have we had big wins? Of Yes, we have. We beat NYU up at their other home now, Hunter where we played them and we beat them and we had almost the whole game. And, you know, and we pretty much gave up the lead, but we controlled the pace. Um, I lost to a D1 team, Wagner. I was beating them by 16 at one point, and we literally gave the game back to them. Uh, you know, and I'm not crying. It was our own fault. You know, we, 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 I have a team, Dave, that controls its own destiny every game. They control literally their own destiny, how they play, what goes on, and how it happens. I've never been around this type of squad, you know, and I've had these girls for the last few years. Yeah. And they're wonderful. I, I put them through, I put them through the rigors, and they come back every day, and I, I coach them, and they're taught to play. People look at me and they go, You go 94 feet, you know, man to man, up and down. You push the ball, you run, you do this, you do that. And I go, Hey, listen, after practice, games are a breeze. Because we scrimmage a ton in practice, and we go after each other. It's almost like European rules. Ball goes out of bounds. It's whoever gets it first, and you throw it right back in. I don't coach with a whistle. Refuse to. They go by my voice. I have to correct something. I step onto the court. and a lot of time taking my life in my hands. Uh, <laughs> with them come stumbling by me. But, you know, I get in and I get out, and I yeah. tell them. But the main thing is, is there's a ton of respect between the young women I coach and myself. It's a two-way street. It's a two-way street, and I treat, I treat them like young women. Do you get aggravated? Do you get mad? Do you have your, uh, as I say, you know, you, your things come out of your mouth that you wish you could take back? Yes. Do I do apologizing? Yes. You know, and I'm not bad on them, and I'm not. But I treat them like the way they should be. The one young women, young collegiate women who work in jobs, family issues, uh, five million other things, but besides having to listen to a lunatic for six days a week, a two and a half to three hours a day talk basketball and I, i'm fortunate they play for me they play for me and not many coaches can say that they play for me well uh, i don't want to suggest walking out to stop things in the middle of a game but you probably know that already and your yeah, background no, some is refs a... have, some refs have accused <laughs> yeah, me of, yeah. uh, you they know, don't like uh, that one ref already remarked to me he said that the uh you know the extension of the coaching box is due to you and I go, uh, no. I says I have a funny feeling Gino Oriema and a couple of D1 coaches suggested it and whispered in somebody's ear. And miraculously, overnight, it, oh, look what happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I also think your uh, former police officer uh, experience knows you can step out into traffic if you absolutely necessarily well, have to. Well, yeah, my background in law enforcement <laughs> helps. I know when, a, you know, I, you know. 
It's listen. My mother, God rest her soul, raised four kids by herself as a young police widow herself, and uh, I learned about respect. But I also learned about respectful women, yeah, and how to treat them and how to be around them, and you know what I can, you know, do and not do, and mostly it's not do, yeah, and um, it, it's not hard. Life's lessons weren't lost on me, and I'm not trying to be preachy or anything like that. But it's, ch- listen, I what I've gone through in life, basketball. Um, losing a basketball game or having something go on in a basketball game, trust me, does not does not come near, you know, me losing sleep at night. Yeah, I understand. You know, does not I, I lose sleep? Believe me, and I get aggravated because I, I feel if something happens, it's my fault because I didn't teach them the right way or I hadn't had them prepared the right way or something like that. But um, believe me, on the scale of like one to ten, um, a basketball loss or a tough win or something like that doesn't really, you know, weigh heavily on me. It might not be what a lot of people would like to hear, but it's not that I take it lightly. I still put my 50, 60, 70 hours a week in like most, like all coaches, most of us do. And I do my homework and like everybody does. But um, I also have a wife and three children yeah. that I'm concerned about, and I have other things. But, well, you know, this is my life, and my family knows they lose me from the start of the school year until it's on the middle of March, and my wife goes, is my husband coming back around yeah, April? Yeah, my wife goes through the same thing, and I'm not even putting mm-hmm. in nearly as many hours as you guys yeah, are. Yeah, you do it. Um, People look at you, you know, and you got your homework to do, and your tape, yeah. and your scouting, and we you know, we really put a lot into this, you know? Wait, you talked coaches, to, you talk about respecting the women, and, and, you know, I that sometimes, I know you don't mean it that way, but sometimes that's a throwaway line for some people, especially in this day and age where we're now dealing with so much on the True. sexual True. Uh, misconduct, let's put it yes. that way. Um, and I'm certainly not going in that direction. My point being, how much has that helped you as a head coach appreciate not only the players, but also appreciate the job you're, you have to do in the sense of, of preparing them for the real world, for lack of a better description? Well, I tell them, and you know, I'm, I've been fortunate at CSI, because CSI is an excellent, excellent school. Academically, the CUNY's, there's a thing, it's, you know, the best bang for the buck. It is. Yeah. You know, you live in a tri-state area, yeah. and, you know, CSI is known, uh, most of the teachers in a tri-state area, if not in, like, you know, the New York area, come out of the College of Staten Island sure. because it's known for its education program and, it's, you know, a master's program. Their nursing program is one of the top on the Eastern Seaboard. Their um, PT program at CSI is known. You know, yeah, uh, you know, so absolutely. my girls are there to get their educations. My four seniors are graduating on time. The six years I'm the head coach, all my girls have graduated. That's amazing. In the 11 years I've been there, and starting as an assistant with Marguerite Moran and now, I think 98% of our girls have graduated. Another 2%, they at least got their master's, not their master's, they got their associate's. But not only that, they were, they're already working. They're nurses or, and, and working towards their degrees, or they're police officers, or they're EMT. They're something. In life, what I love about women and coaching women is how career-driven they are and how focused they are, and it's impressive. And I've been fortunate in the past few years, I guess, with my minor success, I've been orphaned things here and there, and you know, and it's been nice. And I, you know, and I got it pretty nice. I, I make a right hand turn up my block, and I'm at CSI with two lights and stopping at Dunkin' Donuts in about seven minutes. So it's pretty neat. But the offers I got. Two have been on the men's side, and they were very, very nice offers, and it would have been a wonderful situation for me, but I didn't want to coach men. Sure. Because I enjoy the women's game the way it is. It's pure basketball the way I grew up in Brooklyn and how I was taught basketball 101 and how they play it, 
how they go about it, and how, you know, how focused they are, and incredibly focused, and how determined they are. I literally, in practice, got to pull the horses back, <laughs> the reins back on them, because they will go at each other because the competitive nature is sure. incredible. Well, it's you also incredible. got a number of New Yorkers on there, let's be honest. Uh, I've seen some no, New York yeah, attitudes. You know, it, it's a different breed. You <laughs> yeah, know, that's why yeah. they stay to CUNY, and they can talk about the CUNY all they want. And sure, are, are we weak in some ends? Yes. And it's not due to, it's just because the schools, it's a different they, school. they, they got their hands tied, a lot of these schools. They really, really sure. do. And you feel for them. You feel for them. Yeah. Like Kellyanne Baru kills herself. And because of this whole thing that went on there, the two-year uh, sanction, everything, help. you went from a team that was a powerhouse, and yeah. I mean a downright powerhouse. Yeah. Down, and, you, and yet they're competitive, and the kids play for her, and they break her rear end. And although, you know, our score didn't show it yesterday, we were a nine-point game at the half. We were a nine-point game at the half yep. until my girls woke up in the second half <laughs> and decided that, you know, and it was strictly waking up. You know, they, it wasn't they were doing things wrong. It was just, they just, well, you know, were taking things, not following shots, the basic stuff in basketball we talk about. And they have a tendency, my team, to sometimes not let the game come to them. Or they, they, or, or on the other hand, they let the game take too long to come down. Sure, sure. And it was like that at MIT last week. Sonia's team came out and listen, it's MIT. They're smart on and off the court, and they would go twenty six, twenty seven on the clock before they let a shot go. But it would be a really good shot, and Sonia was smart. She scouted me well. She would send three kids back to make sure my running game got limited. But we also had our opportunities to win. Yeah, we missed key foul shots at the end. We missed layups. We missed. You know, a couple of things. And listen, I had my one kid, Jackie Cowley, right in front of me, put the, th- the three up at the buzzer. Yeah. And it was dead on that I literally, what's left of my knees, I jumped as much as I could jump. <laughs> I thought the ball was going in. And the ref said to me after the game, he goes, Coach, i got to be honest with you. I was ready to raise my arms for the three. Yeah. That's how close it was. I can understand. And, and it was a great game. It was a great experience for them. Boston was a little chilly. Two degrees is two degrees. Hey, like, I'm out here on a, yeah. I'm on a shout here on a street in Brooklyn right now, and it's 16. And, uh... You know, I'm Welcome. shivering a little bit, but Welcome. not like it was in Boston last week. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Hey, tell me a little bit about this team. It's a senior-laden squad. Yeah. It, obviously, it's an opportunity this year to take advantage of that. Your top four leading scores, uh, the four of your five, well, basically, the your top five scores are all starters. Four of those five are seniors, and Christina right. Pastoro, uh, Samantha Flecker, uh, Angelique uh, Price, and Victoria Cray. And then you mentioned right. the junior, Jacqueline Cali. Um, right. averaging, let's see, I had it in front of me. Where did it go on me? Hello. There it is. 24 points a game for Pastora, uh, mm-hmm. 15 points a game for Flecker, 8.6 for Price, Cray at 7.3, 5.2 for Cali, and then you have a number of other players. But this is really about this senior class, is it not? Yes. They're, they're, listen, I'm fortunate. Um, you know, when I went after Chrissy and Sam, they were like 1 and 1A when I recruited them. And I knew about Chrissy. Chrissy, uh, fortunately, also played with my daughter in high school, my younger daughter, Olivia, who was a sophomore at the time, played uh, at Notre Dame Academy. And I saw Chrissy in her junior year, and I said, i got to get this kid because, listen, I tell her, you know, she's not the greatest on defense. I've gotten her to play defense, and it's like a running thing that goes on between us. She's She's an assassin. I tell her, you get paid to shoot and score no matter how you do it, and she's got this uncanny knack that she literally is one of those kids who you, at the end of a game, go, she had how many points? <laughs> you know, because I don't pay attention that what goes on, you know, point-wise as a coach. And like a lot of coaches will tell you, and they'll come to me at the end of the game and show me her stat line and go, 
Well, she had, you know, 24 points, eight rebounds, four assists. I go, what? She had 24 points? Yeah. You know, but that's the type of kid she is. And probably one of the most, she just got accepted into New York Law School on a full scholarship. That'll tell you. Good, good for her. God bless her. What school? Uh, Sam Flecker, nobody knows this, but was playing and was sick with pneumonia. Her first game at MIT last week, mm. they beat the hell out of her. She was exhausted, but she was coming off the off of pneumonia. She was out for about two weeks during the time when we had the break. Right. She was sick as a dog, literally, in a hospital one night with 104 fever, wow. this, that, the other thing, and then arguing with me that she wanted after being out of the hospital for a day or two. You have to stay in overnight. So why couldn't she come to practice? Coach, I'm fine. <laughs> That's yeah, I'm fine, Coach. <laughs> right, exactly. Coach, I can't run, and, but who cares? <laughs> no, but she's my best all-around player by far. I mean, what she does and on and both sides of the court, incredible, incredible. And Angelique Price is probably the most gifted and most talented um, young woman I've coached. But you just got to get it out of her. Yeah, she's the one I tell, and this is I, I don't threaten, but I say, Ange, you're the one who's going to come back to me next year or wherever I am, and come to me and say I miss this more than anybody. Yeah, I said because you turn it on, and when she turns it on, and she did it at the MIT game, you know, I I, I made a play at the end of the um, first half, uh, the first of of the regular uh, regular time, where she had the ball at the high post, and she blew past the girl and the two other girls going to the basket to tie the game with a couple of seconds to go. It wasn't even close, yeah. but she's got that type of um, ability. It's incredible. Her natural talent is incredible. Last year at CUNY's, that last week, Lehman and Brooklyn games, she took over. She technically, she really, even Chrissy said, Pasatoro, the type of kid Pasatoro is too, who's, here she is about to score 2,000 points. She's the all-time leader at CSI. Uh-huh. She might be one of the all-time leading scorers in CUNY ever. Wow. All this stuff, but yet is the most un- you know, she's more worried about team than she is anything. She said when she got the MVP, I don't deserve this, and should have got it. That's the type of kid she is. Pasatoro. And Cray, Cray is Cray. She swims. They got her swimming. Her legs are killing her. She tore her ACL. She's hurting. Her T-band on her other leg is killing her. And doesn't beg out of games. The only time I take her out is she starts limping because she has this big brace. And she hears things from me because 50 pounds ago I was a point guard. <laughs> and I see things on the court a certain way, and she hears it from me. And yet is probably the most decent young woman. Uh, she, she's had some family tragedies in the last two years. She lost her brother recently, and she lost her dad uh, mm. a couple of years ago. That's too bad. And you never know it. And also going to be accepted into nursing school and moving on and doing everything. Sam Flecker, the same thing, graduating. You had better, better watch yourself. She's graduating with a communications degree. <laughs> oh boy! And Angelique Price is graduating with a degree in psychology and looking to become a police officer. So oh I, I, I'm proud of them. I really, really am proud of them. As you can tell in my voice, they're, yeah, they're, absolutely. They're, they're like daughters. They're like 14, 15 daughters I have. I could talk. And with my you. family accepts it, but I, I treat them like I say. I treat them like daughters. You I, know, you get mad, you get upset, and everything. Yeah, sure. Then you realize it's a basketball game. But yeah, right. I treat them with the respect they're due, and I always tell them: Do not let anybody treat you other than the way you should be treated as young women. You, and I said, if they do treat you any differently, you call, call, you call coach, and coach will explain and take care of things a certain way. You, and you, I'll explain to the young man or somebody how you, they treat a lady. 
Don't call anybody yeah, out. Let Coach take care of it. I'll be more than happy to explain a few things. And, and, and for anybody who doesn't know, you're a former police officer. Which... I'm a former. Yes, I, I'm a former New York State. I'm a, I was a former New York State uh, court officer. Yeah, you don't mess with you. you. don't mess with anybody uh, who has I was, police I was a major. training. Yeah, I'm the same as an inspector in the court, an inspector in the police department. What made you yeah, come but... to coaching? I mean, you talked earlier about uh, why you yeah. wanted to coach. But I mean, what yeah. makes you come out of police work to be a coach? Well, I got hurt in the line of duty. Okay. What happened is. Okay. I got hurt. I was on a Staten Island ferry the day it crashed. So it's a long story. I've had nine surgeries. Oh, uh, wait, the dear, famous dear crash? A dear, yes. Oh, yes, yes, coach, yes, I'm sorry. I was I on know it. That I one, went yeah. to go help people. I've had nine surgeries. Now, I didn't even want to get into it. No, honestly. no, that's fine. Long story short, dear friend of mine, Tom Scalfani, who I grew up with in Brooklyn, uh, coached at Thailand Park High School. Um, after about a year or so, called me up one day and says, what are you doing? And I was home and after all these surgeries, come coach with me. No. Two years Highland Park High School, one year one year in New Utrecht High School in Brooklyn, my alma mater, with my friend John Shea, and then um, I went and Marguerite Moran happened to run into me. At high, matter of fact, my daughter Allie, who's on my coaching staff this year, as a matter of fact, was a thousand point scorer at CSI and wound up uh, grad assistant at, um, at at Fairleigh Dickinson and then working at the NBA for a few years. Uh, but she was recruiting, you know, Ali and uh, a few others and kidding around with me one day. She says, if you know anybody, I need an assistant coach. And kidding around, I said to her, geez, do you need any broken down valises of a man who, you know, kidding around? Well, the next morning I get a phone call. Come up to CSI. We want to talk to you. Wow. And the rest is history. That was 11 years ago. That's amazing. And never in a million years. Uh, listen, even I, I pinch myself someday. I, I, and I have friends of mine who's what in the business world and who's this, who's that. They're mad at me because I'll tell them days I can't get on the floor off the phone. I got to go down to practice, and they say certain things, expletives, because they want to be me, coaching and well, doing. I don't blame them, but I want to be them making six and seven figure salaries. Yeah, and don't blame do. you either, Coach. Uh, hey, quick, uh, so, hey, quickly, you played a Lancaster Bible yesterday. Uh, easily beat them, but a, a fan of ours wants to know what you thought of Courtney uh, Goyak uh, on their team. The big girl. Yep. Oh, man, let me tell you something. <laughs> It started off where I didn't really have Jackie Callie. Got into, I'm under man, uh, undersized, so to speak. And we started off with his own on them, and then she was just dominating in the first quarter. Uh, you know, we, although we were ahead, she was just like eating us up alive inside. That's where they were getting us. And then finally, what happened is one of their other girls uh, was getting a little tired, and the old coaching brain clicked off. And I said, "Let me get out of this zone stuff." And let me go back to my running up and down the court and pushing and pushing and going after them. And that's what happened. But honestly, I think she's one of the best players that I was kidding around their coach after the game. I said, you know, I'm recruiting her during the summer. Uh, <laughs> I love to her. What a good player. She just uh, she uses her body incredibly well. And no, it's great, Dave. She's a big kid who knows she's a big kid and knows where she's supposed to be. She doesn't look to shoot the 15 to 20 footer. She knows her range is 10 feet, 7 feet and in. Uh, she uses her body extremely well. She sets screens. She gives herself up, but she's always rolling towards the hoop, and she's tough. Let me tell you, she's as tough a big, a big girl as I played this year. We, we played against a couple of good ones. Uh, even a kid up at um, MIT last week, the freshman. Yeah, yeah. She was excellent, excellent, excellent big, big player. Well, Coach, I really appreciate the time you took. Um, behind the scenes, we won't explain, but I know it wasn't exactly the best timing for you, but I appreciate it nonetheless. Um, good luck the rest Anything of the for season. You, Dave. Well, Anything thank for you. you. Thank you, Coach. Uh, good luck the rest of the season. 
And uh, as you. always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? I No, I just want to say thank you to you because, you know, D3, uh, you know, we tend to get overlooked. Everybody thinks, you know, oh, this, that, and the other thing, even when I go out recruiting. And yet, you know, when I smack the D2 team in scrimmaging, I beat Wagner. I should have beat Wagner two years in a row. <laughs> you know, and there's teams in our conference, Hunter, Brooklyn, Lehman, you know. You know, D3 is a force to be reckoned with as far as school-wise going. You've got to give these kids a lot of credit. You know, they're just they're the typical, they're the prototypical student-athletes. They're doing it for the love of the game. Yeah. And they really are, and I think they should be given a lot more credit. And I think D3 and people like you, Dave, and I mean this in my heart, I really give you credit because I'm a big fan of yours, whether you know it or not. And I think it's wonderful you do because you bring recognition to this. And these kids deserve recognition. Not, you know, not everyone's pats on the back all the time and this and that. And their coaches, they get tired of hearing us too because it's white noise after a while. But for somebody like you out there and, and really championship, championing the cause, I think is a wonderful thing. And, uh, you know, I might be a little wordy, but I mean it from my heart. Well, thanks, Coach. I appreciate that. Um, good luck the rest of the season. Enjoy it. I know you will. And we look forward to probably talking to you down the road. Your mouth to God's ears again. I hear you. I hear you, Coach. Uh, and tell your friend, stop with the car before the horse stuff. <laughs> <laughs> then you're going to tell me who he is, and I'm going to track him down. Uh, he's not that hard to find, and uh, I'd be happy to share with that information off air. <laughs> Coach, take care. We'll talk soon. Dave, thank you again. You have a good night, my friend. Thank you. You do. Good night, my friend. Bye. Bye-bye, Dave. Tim Shanahan joining us here on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Again, the team is 11-2 and overall. Their losses to non-Division three Wagner, emphasis D1 Wagner, uh, and MIT in overtime. They will take on Medgar Evers, 0-12, unfortunately, and Hunter coming up in the next week. Uh, both those games on the road. Should be a fun team to watch. Keep an eye out for them. We'll see how that all transitions uh, from there. We're going to take another break. When we come back, a little behind schedule. So we're going to try and keep things up here. Uh, we'll stick with women's basketball, jump out to the SLIAC, uh, the St. Louis Intercollegiate Athletic Conference, and we'll talk to Roy Mulholland about the Panthers of Greenville. What are they up to? You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops Hope after this. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. 
And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. As always, you can tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. We've already answered one question. I know we got a question about non-conference schedules that we will certainly get to. Uh, and I got another question in there. What was it about? Uh, Ramapo and some other things. So we will get to those questions, I promise. May have to wait till a little bit to the end of the show, but I will get to them. I promise you. Uh, sticking with women's uh, basketball, Staten Island, great conversation with Tim Shanahan. I appreciate him taking the time to do that. We're switching out to the Slyak now. Yeah, honestly, we don't talk to the Slyak as much as we probably should. Uh, that's probably partly our fault, but at the same time, sometimes it's hard to really kind of put a trigger on who do we want to talk to and when. Well, right now, the team that jumped out at me easily was Greenville. The Panthers are 11-2 this season. They were a a sneaky 23 and 9 last year. They're 6 and 0 in the conference. Remember they play a lot of conference games. But what's really intriguing to me is the fact that they haven't played a lot of, you know, they played a lot of non-division 3 games is what I should say. There's uh, I believe four, there are four on their on their roster. They got one more coming on the schedule to to make for non-division 3. Yes, they got easily beat by WashU. Maybe no surprise there, but they're going to probably represent the Slyak. So we should probably learn more about Greenville. So Roy Mulholland joins us on the Hoopsville Hotline. And, Coach, I appreciate you taking the time. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. So give me the lowdown here. You know, this is a squad that I, I know you've had success with, but we haven't really had a time to dive in and better understand. What is Greenville this season? And with this non-Division three schedule, it's hard to figure out are you, how good are you maybe? Well, and, and maybe that's a question we're still trying to figure out as well as we move along. But we've, we've really had two um, solid seasons the last two years. So two years ago, we, we won the conference tournament and played WashU in the first round of the national tournament. Yeah. And then we also, we also play in the NCCA, which is the National Christian College. Yes. And last year, we were able to win that national tournament. So I think those experiences – have really set this team up. Uh, they, they believe that they can win. We, we just graduated two kids last year. Um, and, and so I think uh, kind of the expectations for our kids coming in uh, this year were pretty high, and, and so far they've been able to achieve uh, at the level that I think we ought to be achieving at. Yeah, as they say, somebody had to play Wash U, right? Um, yeah, yeah. And, of course, you scheduled mid midseason this year, and Nancy Fague moves on, and uh, unfortunately you couldn't take advantage of that opportunity. But what does a game against a Wash U mean for a program like yourselves? Well, uh, it's, a, it's an important game, and it's a big game, and it's one of the reasons we scheduled kind of the, the backstory there was after they beat us in the national tournament, I waited until they got – beat until they got out of the tournament about two weeks later i called nancy nancy was still there i said coach you have any room on your schedule and she literally laughed at me on the phone and i said coach why are you laughing and she said nobody calls me for games i have to go find games and i said hey if we're going to begin to think about playing at that level and if that's the level we're going to try to achieve at then we've got to play those folks we've got to play those people and so i said let's go let's go home and away and now we're, we're backed up for another home and away the next two years and, um, you know, again, it's, it's a great learning experience for us. But if, if we're ever going to begin to continue to climb at that pace, we're going to have to play that kind of a team and, and learn to play at that level. Well, and, I, and hats off to you because I, I know coaches that do that. And, yes, they may be beat, but it's a learning experience down the road. I, I don't knock it whatsoever for a program like yourselves because uh, yeah, that I, can come back and be helpful. Let's say you do get scheduled against WashU in the NCAA tournament. Maybe you actually know something about them. Yeah, exactly. And, and also, 
it's, uh, you know, the, the SLIAC is probably not the most physical conference around. Right. So it's, it's maybe a little bit more, I, I don't know if finesse is the right word, but, but uh, when we play teams like WashU, then we begin to understand what it's like to play a little more physical style of game, how to work through that. I, I just think it benefits our kids in all kinds of ways. Playing in a, you know, playing in a gym where they have national championship banners hanging from the ceiling and, uh, it, it's just a good experience for them. They soak it in. We learn from that. And um, and certainly if we would see a team, if we would see Wash U or a team like Wash U down the road, I, I feel like we will be better prepared to go in and attack that. I uh, had a guest on our last show out of California, had a lot of non-Division three games on their schedule. And one of the things he said, uh, and maybe I'm taking a little bit of the, the answer away of the, of the pending question, is, you know, we already know we have to win the conference to get in, that making sure we schedule enough D3s isn't the end of our world. Is this a scenario where you kind of know the landscape in front of you, and so busting your rear end to make sure you only have a D3 schedule isn't the end of the world? Or is there another story behind the five games against non-D3s? Yeah, I, I think there's a both end. So that certainly is part of it for us. Um, we know the winner of our conference tournament is going to get the bid, and, and probably at this stage for our conference, you know, nobody else. We're not yeah. going to get a second one. Um, and then also for us, we always have to keep this eye on this NCCAA piece for us. Gotcha. And playing those playing those other teams in terms of an overall point system that's yep. used um, helps us. So I, I think both playing maybe a little bit higher competition, we hope, but kind of a keeping an eye on both of those things that we participate in yeah, is, is part of that process. Makes total sense. Uh, and, and that's yeah. that other end that we don't know as much about, which breeds those questions. And so obviously you're yeah. kind of hedging yeah. your bets, as it were. If you don't make the NCAAs, you want to be in position to play for the end. And was it the NSCAA? I forgot. And, and, and NCC. NCCAA. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I remember yeah. that. So you're, yeah. you're just, you need to make sure you do what's best for the program uh, no matter what, right? Yeah, I, I think we owe yeah. that to our kids in terms of the overall responsibility. And um, I, I, our first responsibility, our first focus, our, our, you know, the place that we're looking for is the NCAA tournament. I mean, that's it. This, the, there aren't many firsts left for our group right now after the last two years. Um, but this group wants to, uh, to win our conference. We have not hosted our conference tournament. Mm. And this group really wants to continue to try to go undefeated and host the conference tournament. That would be a, a first for this group of kids, a legacy for this group of kids. And then we've not won a first-round tournament game. And so that's still sitting out there for us to try to go get. Fascinating. Uh, and, and certainly going to be fun to watch. i got to ask about this roster. Uh, I'm not sure. I think you left a few numbers uh, in the equipment <laughs> manager's office. Uh, two, yeah. four, and five are still available. That's it. Uh, yeah. I, sorry, there's a couple 40 numbers, 43, 44, and 45. So you have eight numbers, seven, eight numbers you haven't used yet. Are you sure? Yeah. Uh, are you sure you have enough people on this roster? Wow. You know, it's, it, it, it's interesting because as, even as we go around, we don't find a lot of D3s with JV programs. And, and right now we have a full 24 team roster and we play a 19 game JV schedule. So uh, we're, we're able to only three of our varsity kids right now in this process where we're playing well, have not played some JV time for us. You mean, um, you mean in their careers? In their careers. Yeah, yeah we don't mean not, this. Not we don't year, want to confuse anybody this with this season. <laughs> Correct. No, not in this season, right. but in their careers as they've come up. Okay. Um, we've, we've been able to sort of continue this process of being successful two ways. One, having kids that got a lot of time. They're playing a lot of minutes in JV and a lot of games. 
And so they're able to step into holes as we graduate people. And then we've been fortunate to bring in some recruiting classes where we've had some kids who have immediately been ready to step in and help us. You're also playing. In that, Go ahead. I was going to say in that way, we, we hope to sort of avoid, uh, avoid the up and down process. We want to try to compete at a high level, stay at that high level. And then, like I say, continue to set our sights kind of on, on bigger pieces. Uh, we should. You play 19 players, and if anybody knows the history of this show, uh, we certainly know your men's coach very well. Uh, he's yep. one of our fa- favorite uh, interviews of all time. Uh, yeah. Great man. Uh, actually, we have a Greenville jersey. Uh, now that I mention about it, yeah, there it is, sitting back off my shoulder. Oh, um, oh, that is awesome. Yeah, no, it was a great surprise. My question, though, regarding them is he's gone to the system. He talked to Grinnell. I look at some parts of the stats and say maybe you're dabbling in that department, though I don't see it completely. What is exactly going on with your your <laughs> mentality? Well, it's a great question, and we get that quite a bit. So we the our men run the system, right. and, and we say and we say we run the method. That's kind of how we describe what we do. Um, it's it's not it's not the five five wholesale change. Okay, sold sold out. To, to the press and the three, but it is definitely pressure. Uh, we're, okay. we're rotating. We, we rotate maybe two or three kids at a time. We pick our matchups, um, but we're playing ten kids pretty regularly. That yeah. that would be our typical. But we're you know we're getting after people. We're getting up and down the floor. We're we're trying to take advantage of the fact that we we really do have ten kids without a whole lot of drop off. We probably could go twelve, maybe fourteen if we had some injuries without hurting too bad. And we just aren't running into a lot of teams that have that kind of depth. So we want the game to get up and down the floor. We want the second half to be our game. We just don't do it quite the same way with quite the same chances our men. We're not shooting the three. Right. We're, they, they shoot it in volume. And if you've checked out our stats, we shoot the three in percentage. Yeah, I noticed that because so, you're, you're only taking about, oh, geez, maybe 18 shots a game on average. And you're hitting right. 44%. So that's that's a yeah. solid number. So you're not necessarily going down, heave up a three. If we make it, great. Come back, give them pressure. And if they get over midcourt, give them, give them, let them take a shot. You're, you're playing exactly. a little bit of a hybrid of that with a little bit more intensity. Yes, and, and part of the reason is, is because we have a great post game. So okay. We have kids inside who can play inside and score inside, and we use a lot of inside out. And just, just to put that... Yeah, I think we're right at 43.5%. Just to put that yep. a little bit in perspective, not only does that lead Division Three, but it actually ties to lead the nation in team wow. field goal percentage, right, at three points. So we really are knocking it down at a high rate. And if you look at our roster, it's not one or two kids knocking it no. down. No, we got about six or seven kids knocking it down at a high rate. And uh, makes it makes us pretty tough to prepare for, I think. I got six players who at least shoot enough with a decent percentage. Uh, Maria Reinhardt is hitting fifty-one percent. Taking, uh, she's basically two for four every game. Uh, Manith, yeah. uh, Meredith Crossier is thirty-seven uh, percent, about about one for every four or two for every four. Uh, Naomi Johnson, maybe not the best percentage, but still takes enough shots. Uh, yeah. Janez Michael, geez, yeah, Emily Brandland. Yeah. Yeah, you, here's, you, here's you, a, you like to make it interesting. Yeah, here's an interesting one for you. So, yeah, Laura Goodnight is shooting about 71%, but she's only played two games for us. <laughs> yeah, I uh, so, <laughs> we're, we're actually doing this so far in the fact that she was our leading scorer, leading rebounder last year. 6-1, can hit the three, as you can see. Yeah. And she's just been back for a couple of games. She was injured most of the first half. So, we've been able to do this with our depth and with other kids stepping up yeah, without her- – uh, 
yeah. her, her numbers through three games, and albeit it's three games, but folks, right. she's averaging 60, 70% from the floor. She's 71% from beyond the arc. Her only problem is free throws, right. Uh, right. where she's 20%. But she is 16 for 23 from the floor, 10 of 14 from beyond the arc, 1 of 5 from the free throw line. I mean, those first two stat lines are ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And our, our, biggest, our biggest issue, if you want to call it an issue or a problem, is um, how, do we, how do you go 9 and 2 before Christmas yeah. and then try to fit this kid back into the chemistry of your team? Yeah. Which, which you obviously have to, you know. And so, oh, yeah. Yeah. so we're working on that process. But um, I, the other thing I think that really, and the stats show this, and people say this about our team, is we just have a ton of shooters and we really don't have a selfish kid on the floor. They make the next pass. They make the next pass. They trust their teammates. And so we're getting really good shots, and then we're able to knock them down. All right, so the conference schedule is ahead. You're already off to a six and zero start in the conference. Uh, Eureka's eight and five, four and one. Webster's nine and four, three and two, along with Webster, who's also six and six. Yep. This feels like a conference that is set up for you to win, and now the pressure is living up to that expectation. Yeah, I, I think that's true, and we have a real critical stretch coming up in about a week or so. So we go Webster, Eureka, Westmin, three games back. You know, Bing, Bing, Bing. And, uh, and that'll, be, that'll be critical. I mean, we're going to have to be able to play well through that stretch. All three of those teams are capable of knocking you off. And if we can get through that stretch, because those are really the two, three, and four teams right now in the conference, then I think we set ourselves up pretty well to prepare for a, you know, a longer stretch there as we think about heading into the postseason. But I think those, those three games are going to be really just critical games for us to be able to go out and, and uh, get the job done. Fascinating. We'll look forward to seeing how it plays out. Um, by the way, we should point out, anybody who's out there who's a football fan, uh, you got hired in 1999, uh, fall of 99, to take over the program. That's the last time the Buffalo Bills were in the playoffs. <laughs> wow. There you yeah, go. To, well, and, and now it makes me feel even older than I, I know. was thinking. Doesn't that, it? Been yeah, a while, doesn't but, it make you feel yeah. old? Trust me. I know the yeah. feeling. And well, Coach, yeah. thanks for taking the time. Really appreciate it. Fascinating program. Tell uh, um, Dr. Barber we uh, we send our love as well, but thank you for your time and good luck the rest of the season. I'm fascinated with the Panthers, and uh, I have a feeling we may be talking to you somewhere down the road. Oh, that would be great. Thank you uh, so much. Appreciate your show and all you do, and to be glad to talk to you down the road. Absolutely. By the way, we do leave the final word to the guest. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? Uh, it, no, I mean other, other. You know, I guess this is the other thing I say about my kids, and maybe maybe it's a little bit off basketball, but. We're doing it on the floor, but this is an amazing group of young ladies. I mean, they're getting it done in the classroom. We had a team GPA last year of 3.641. We were like third in the nation in Division three or fourth. So it's just been a pleasure to coach this group of kids. They work hard. They get after each other, but they're getting it done on and off the floor. And and that, you know, coaching isn't – it's not frequently easy. But at this stage, it's it's been relatively easy with this group of kids. They're just a great group of kids to work with. Well, enjoy the season, Coach, win or lose. And thanks for taking the time. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Absolutely. Roy Mulholland joining us from Greenville. Again, 11-2 for his ladies, 6-0 and in the conference. They've got William Woods, uh, non-Division three coming up here on uh, Tuesday. And then they'll get back into conference play. Conference play almost the rest of the way. I actually forgot to mention Oakland City coming up later in the season. So they're sixth non-conference. But they got Spalding, Webster, Eureka, as he pointed out, coming up uh, in the next three for the conference action. Uh, but thanks again for uh, Coach joining us on the City of Salem.
Hoopsville Hotline. Going to take a break. When we come back, we debut the NABC Coaches Corner. If you're a fan of the show, you're familiar with it because uh, it's uh, something we do for the WBCA, but we've had the Coaches Corner around for even longer. Joining us will be Charlie Brock. He's been a regular of the show from Springfield. We'll talk to him about his team, but also what his team does off the court that is so fascinating, along with his work with the NABC. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. More Hoopsville after this. Division three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division three athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. How wouldn't change it for the world. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division three athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. How wouldn't change it for the world? And welcome back to Hoopsville. Hope you are enjoying the show. We say that every time we come out of break, but we really do mean it. Hope you are enjoying it. We know we've got some interactions on our Facebook Live. We also know we have some interactions on our YouTube page. I've gotten some emails. I think you've even gotten some tweets. Uh, a couple of things coming up. Just a mental note. Uh, we still will talk to Emery and Henry David Wilson's uh, the head coach there, the Wasps, coming up on the show. R Scott, uh, Ryan Scott will join us via Skype, knock on wood, our tech works, uh, to talk about the upcoming Top 25 that is out tomorrow and some, you know, some of the sleepers that we have. Um, in in the uh, D3 world. Also, a couple other tidbits here and there. Again, if you have questions for us, email us at uh, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. You can tweet us at d3hoopsville. You can hash uh, or use the hashtag hoopsville. You can also um, join us on our Facebook Live, uh, and you can also join us on our YouTube 
page. If any way you want to interact and try and ask us a question, you can. We don't always get to every question, but we'll certainly do our best. I got a couple of questions lined up for the end of the show as well. Of course, we're coming from the WBCA NABC studios. And of course, the NABC has been a partner of Hoopsville for a number of years. In fact, their studio is very much a reason because of the NABC. It is here because of the NABC. We built it nine years ago, believe it or not, when I moved into this home. And it is now, as you can see, it has got. If anybody knows this show as long as we've been around, this this the set can the background keeps getting better and better. And it's thanks to guys like Charlie Brock. He's the head coach at Springfield. Uh, he is in a, a group of the NABC have been big supporters of the show. We love having them on, but it's even better reason when we got an interesting topic to talk about. So we're debuting the NABC Coaches Corner tonight um, for the season. We've always had the corner, and Charlie is our first guest from Springfield, and uh, he's on the City of Salem uh, Hoopsville Hotline. Charlie, thanks for taking the time, sir. Very welcome. Nice to talk to you, Dave. As always, it's nice to talk to you. First and foremost, team's having a pretty good season in what is arguably a wide open new Mac that um, we can get to that in a bit. Same time. You're very much involved in, uh, in um, community projects and NABC projects. You always seem to have a very full plate, sir. I try. Uh, I keep my guys busy and it's actually a time when we work at it because we're not in classes right now. So we don't want them sitting around. And uh, so we keep them occupied. And one of the ways we do that is to go out to the schools in the area and, um, with our reading program. Yeah, that's the thing that, that got my attention. Your SID pointed out, I think you and I probably had talked about it, but it hadn't clicked. But you take your team out, you go into elementary schools, primarily first to third grade, and it's not just, hey, look at us, we're basketball players from a college, we're going to spend some time with you. The guys really kind of get involved with the class. There's reading involved and, and whatnot. Can, can you give us a little bit of an idea of, of what they do in a general day in a classroom? It's actually a, an initiative that was started back in the 90s, Dave, with the NABC. Uh, it was called the Dream to Read program. Mm -hmm. uh, since then, I was able to acquire uh, funding from the city of Springfield every year. And with that money, we buy a, a bunch of T-shirts and some books and some other things. And uh, when we go into the schools, we have a book that we really like that's pertinent to first through third graders. It's called uh, Rudy's Secret Cap. It has some points to make to the kids, and we read it to them. Uh, and then the guys each spend a little bit of time on each of their lives and what reading has meant to them as college students. And then uh, the last thing we do is, is uh, try to push them towards reading, and, and um, we have what we call a literacy awards program. And for every kid that reads 10 books, we give them a T-shirt, um, the teachers kind of take it over. We leave the T-shirts with them, and we'll go. We'll see anywhere from 450 kids to 450 to 500 kids during this two or three-week period of intercession, going into three or four different elementary schools. It's uh, it's one. You take advantage also of the fact that you've got this dead period class-wise at the school. Um, that everybody, not everybody, but a lot of teams have in January. So you're you're taking advantage of doing it while you're in season in a period of time where they're not overloaded with their classwork. Seems like the perfect timing. Well, it is, and it's a time we can get them get our guys together at the same time. You know, with class schedules, it's hard to get a bunch of guys all together at the same time, and so that intercession helps in that regard. And and um, so we'll go into a school for you know maybe an hour, hour and a half in the morning and, and that's the kind of the duration of the program. And then they get into the reading and that can take anywhere from, you know, a couple of weeks to however long it takes them to read 10 books. 
And for that, they get a, a Dream to Read T-shirt that, uh, you know, any kid will do almost anything for a T-shirt. Yes. So if reading <laughs> is one of them, then we're happy about it. And my guys have really embraced it. We've been doing it for, I don't know, 20 years I've been here. Wow. Um, so it's, it's, it's pretty much a stalwart of the program. And knowing you, as I know, you'd like to downplay a little bit of your role. Of course, uh, the Dream to Read was started in the 90s, as you said, as part of the NABC champion but by Fran Franchilla, as many people would know. Of course, on the academic committee that you were a part of as well. So this has kind of been a little bit of uh, something you're very close to because you were part of starting that at the NABC. It's great that the city donates money. How else does the community get involved? We, um, the, the city gets involved from that perspective monetarily. Uh, then the other thing we do is bring as many kids as are able to campus to see a home game uh, and their families with free admittance, and uh, it's, it's, it's kind of fun. Um, and, it, it, you know, it's just the, the, the community, it's, it's from the community foundation. So, you know, one of their major things is to do as much as they can to keep kids who have, got tough situations and, and see if they can mm. get them on the straight and narrow. And the other part of it is there's research done with any kid that gets on campus during the early years. Uh, it typically translates into them hopefully going to college later on. And uh, so yeah. that's the other side of it. That's pretty awesome. You're also involved in the Team Impact uh, program, which is very much – uh, I wouldn't say it's an only a New England thing, but I know a lot of New England schools that are involved with it. You guys drafted a six-year-old. Is it John Dell? Is that how? It's I... John Dell. Yep. We actually sent him a message tonight. He just oh. was. Uh, he was in the hospital over the weekend. And okay. Just got out today, and we happened to have a gathering of our guys today, and we we. Uh, I don't know how they did. The guys did it, but they do it, and they made a little video, and uh, you know, sent it to John Dell and. Uh, he's a really cute kid, and he's been to a couple of games. And uh, anytime we can get together with him, it really gives him a lift. And and my guys have embraced that as well. Well, yeah. The note I have here says you that your program has been matched the most in the team impact system um, of any institution in Division Three. That says a lot of of the giving back element of things that you that you have with the, of your program. I mean. That's a lot of time outside of, of basketball, but it's also got to have some incredible impact on your players. Well, it does, and, and it, it really – and I, there are a lot of schools that do a lot of things, Dave. We're not the only ones that do these kind of things. Sure. Um, but Springfield is, has always been the kind of place that, that extends itself and works in the community and in this case works with uh, kids who've really got, a, you know, got dealt a pretty tough hand and, and – uh, so uh, we've got a lot of programs in our athletics department that have gotten involved in the team impact, and I think, I think we are one of the the, the most prevalent of all the Division three schools with the most programs that have a, a team impact kid. We make a big deal out of it. We bring them in. We draft them. Uh, you know, we got them a little warm up suit that that uh, is just cute as can be, and uh, I, it, it it was a it was a I'm not saying it's a life changer for the kid, but it certainly is a day that he'll never forget. Oh, certainly. What you know, we I know the community obviously supports you with what you're doing because they're giving you money to to run the read uh, pro reading program, and obviously team team impact is a huge deal. What does this do to your student athletes? What's this? What what do you see as the either direct or indirect um, effects of all of this amongst your your players? I just think it it inst- it instills in them the need to serve humanity 
Um, we've got a philosophy at Springfield College that we try to follow, and this fits right in with it. Um, and the, and the city is very involved with it. I get letters from the mayor every year after we've done uh, the program and gone into the schools, a personal letter. I mean, it's, it's, it's just an important thing, and you know how it is with every anytime you influence young kids and uh, especially as it pertains to reading. And it's harder now than it's ever been yeah. because kids are so ingrained and in looking at a screen and, yep. you know, they don't read anymore. They just, they just don't. And, uh, you know, even college kids don't read as much as we would like them uh, to. So uh, it's still important and they, they need to know how to read the newspaper and uh, learn things from reading. So if we can instill some of that in these young kids, it's great. And the community really has always bought into that. Let's talk about your team. I'm going to circle back on some of the NABC stuff in a moment and finish there, but let's talk about the team you're led by. Many consider one of the best guards in New England in Jake Ross, 23.8 points a game. Uh, he also hauls in nearly 10 rebounds a game while handing out almost four assists a game. He obviously is the 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 bread and butter, as it were, even the glue, kind of like the Nate Axelrod at Ohio Wesleyan. But tell me about the rest of this. We'll talk about Ross in a minute, but tell me about Heath Post and Andy McNulty and Brandon Eccles and the rest of the squad and how they feed off of the work Ross is doing. Well, I think it's, it's, it's kind of a you know, 50-50 in that they, they gain the benefit of Jake Ross being a focus of teams we play against. They have to try to stop him. If they, they feel they can stop Jake Ross, they can stop Springfield. And so the other guys benefit from that. Um, but at the same time, it makes it's one of the reasons it makes Jake such a tough matchup is he's really really good at finding people that are open because of what teams do to try to take advantage of stopping him. So anytime there's a double up, uh, he had six assists the other night and he scored a lot of points. But the the six assists are what really uh, you know makes makes us tick. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a great rebounder and you can't coach that. That's just uh, effort and, and and intensity on his part to in that facet of the game. So Andy and, and uh, Andy's a guard and, and um, we've actually moved him more to a wing as, than a point guard with Jake uh, handling the ball more. Uh, Brandon Eccles is a post player inside. Heath Post is a sophomore also like Jake and, and has a different skill set, uh, very much able to attack the rim and, and, a, and a pretty good athlete. Uh, he needs to get a little stronger and he's, he's going to be really a, a he's going to be something to reckon with. And then we've got guys coming off the bench that have done a nice job. We, we brought in a kid named Cam Earl, who's a really nice shooter. So if teams try to collapse on us or if they were to try to zone us or play a Mongol defense um, with a couple of shooters like Andy and Cam uh, and Trey Witter, it's a tough matchup. I, I think we're, we're, we're really getting better and better every day, and that's been fun to watch too. This is a squad that started hot. Um, you guys got off to a 4-0 start, then hit the hit a bit of a skids between Trinity Williams, Amherst. Then you went down to see your buddy in, in Texas. I have a feeling Pat Cunningham's never going to get a callback from you ever again. Uh, and then you've at least won three of the last four here. It's been a tale of kind of ups and downs. How hard is it to keep the guys kind of heads in it when you're when you're going through not only the highs but also the lows? Well, I think a lot of it's scheduling, Dave. If you look at the... <laughs> yeah. the uh not only the quality of the teams we're playing and, and, and they are uh, outstanding teams yeah. we're playing, but also when we played them, uh, we, you know, we teed up with Trinity on a Thursday, went to Williams on a Saturday, got Amherst on a Tuesday, and then got on a plane to go to Texas and play Friday, Saturday yeah. that week. And 
you know, it was a tough little run, and, and uh, we really didn't catch our breath from that. Um, and then when we came back and we had a little bit of a break, we played extremely well in our tournament and uh, were able to uh, play a great game, second half especially against Wesley in the other yeah. night. Uh, great win for us. Yeah, that Wesleyan game was a, a terrific notch, 72-67 over them. I think that was their first loss of the season. I get, quickly can make you forget what you went through in, in December. Of course, Babson, unfortunately, was a loss, but you got back up and scored 98 points against Wheaton. The new Mac feels wide open. That's because Babson obviously lost a lot from last year's championship team, but MIT is playing well. Coast Guard had them on the ropes. Um, what's your take on the new Mac? And do you think you guys can, can kind of play a, a significant role in the conference this season? I do. Uh, I will say that the new Mac and, and not any different than a lot of conferences, but I've always felt that we've had, we've got eight really good coaches in the conference. Yeah. Um, some of the places we go are, are difficult and made so by the quality of the teams and the, the fans and the whole environment. Um, it's the, the league maybe more so than ever recently, at least is going to be more competitive from top to bottom than it has been in the last uh, few years. Uh, and Babson, you know, we played them and, and they got us the other night up at their place and uh, they're, they're still very good. Uh, yes, they did lose a few players, but they still got a few, I can tell you. MIT is excellent. Uh, we were able to play a very good game against Wheaton yesterday, uh, and they came in at 9-2. and two. We played well. I would have to say that I don't think they played as well as they had been. Uh, they're going to be they're going to beat some people, and um, so we need to strap it on. And, and, you know, you talk about forgetting what went on in the schedule. One of the reasons we play the schedule we do uh, is so that we've been through just about as tough a situation as we can be in in going into the conference schedule, and and we hope that that's going to help us during the course of a real real grind through the conference schedule. You have a heck of a schedule this season, especially just on the NESCAC side. Trinity, who's looking very good this season, Williams and Amherst. Uh, Amherst maybe not as the behemoth it used to be, but still, you know Dave Hickson. It's a well-coached squad. And Wesleyan, right. and then conference play. We'll, we'll see what Southwestern and Trinity comes about. We don't know them as well, but certainly a tough schedule. This con last question about the team, it feels like it's a it's a, a team in transition. You've got the seniors in the Andy McNulty's and, and the Brandon Eccles who have certainly been there and had some incredible moments in their careers, but you also have the sophomore and Jake Ross. Those guys leave. It becomes really Jake's team and everybody who's with him. Is this kind of a transitional kind of period in time here for the program? That's that's pretty normal, Dave. I mean, sure. you know, it's these these are two sophomores with Jake and Heath, uh, a junior with Cam Earl, uh, two seniors who have a huge impact with us with Andy and uh, you know we we said it the other day they we we played a home game and they've only got five home games left in their career, not counting playoffs if we're so fortunate to be in them. You know, it, it goes quick. It comes by. It comes quick and it goes quick. Yeah. And I think that the, they it hit them that the desperation of we need to get you know this is it man we got to go and and so if Andy and Brandon uh, react to that positively that's good. Uh, Jake and and uh, Heath are sophomores and can carry the program for a couple of years and we're going to add some people to it. Well, I look forward to seeing how this all plays out. And the new Mac is one of the more exciting conferences to watch on any given night. So we look forward to seeing some games. And I promise, I am getting up to your neck of the woods sometime to see games we look in person. To that. I, I've got to figure out the way to do it. I might even just blow off a weekend this year 
and head well, up there. Well, you'd be welcome anytime. Oh, you I know appreciate that. that. Let's slide back to the NABC. Uh, you're on the NABC uh, committee with your first vice president or, or some title, but you've been involved with the NABC, geez, as long as I've known, but obviously since the 90s, at the very least, with the academic committee that you were on. How much has changed, not only with college basketball, but the NABC in the time that you've been involved? No, oh, it's changed a ton. I, I actually spent a lot of years on the academics committee, and as you mentioned, Fran Fraschilla was the chair of it for a time when we started the reading program. Uh, I took his place as chair for a few years, and then I got on the board. And I don't even know when it was. I think it was in the early 2000, 2003 or four. So I've moved up in the in the uh, each year you move up on it, and and so next year I will be the president, which is humbling, I can tell you. <laughs> um, it's it's changed in ways that um, are somewhat outside of the board of directors of the NABC, and that there's been a a, a much better uh, communication and, and uh, stronger feeling going on between the NABC and the NCAA uh, over the last, I would say, 15, 20 years. A lot of that has to do with Jim uh, Haney and the yeah. work he's done and, and also the board, too, and the way that the members of the board interact with uh, the, N- the NCAA uh, you know, selection committee, mm-hmm. which is such a powerful group. And the other thing that's happening now, Dave, is I'm sure you're aware, and it, it doesn't impact us in Division Three, but it impacts basketball. And everybody in that room has the game foremost in their mind. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens with recruiting and summer and uh, money and agents and sneaker companies. The whole thing is, is it's, it's a, a huge topic in our group. And that discussion is led by the likes of Phil Martelli, Tom Izzo, uh, John Calipari. I mean, Bill Self's the president now. I'm going to take his place. I can tell you I won't have a whole lot of input in that conversation because <laughs> that's not my place. But, um, you know, it's, it's just a very, it's, it's a very crucial time for college basketball yeah. right now. Yeah, that was kind of where I was transitioning. Obviously, the, the headlines that started the season with the sneaker situation and and what's going on, and, and a lot of people who feel that this is just the beginning, the tip of the iceberg, that there's more to this story when it eventually comes out. A lot of people don't think it's a D3 thing. We hope it's not a D3 thing. But you're still a coach. You're still a college coach. What is that, for lack of a better description, scandal done um, for, the, for you as a coach and, and the coaching community and for the NABC? Well, I think, for you know, I'm, a, I'm in a profession. Yeah. It's it's what we are and what we do, and um, you know we deal with young people, and our mission is to see to it that we guide them in a positive direction. And um, the guys that are on that board are trying to do as much as they are able, still doing their own jobs, but to see to it that the you know the the saying the guardians of the game is is that truly is what is going on in that room, and um, there's tremendous cooperation and communication there's a new commission now that is includes coaches uh john thompson the third and phil martelli and i'll probably miss somebody bill self is in there too them with athletic directors uh commissioners all d1 guys that are going to create an environment that's positive and uh doing the right thing for young people um, and you know the, the the one and done rule comes to mind as yeah. well. I mean yeah. that's a big deal, and that that may change. So these aren't things that necessarily impact a Division three basketball coach, 
but a Division three basketball coach is a member of a, of a profession, and our reputation is like any other in how we conduct ourselves. Well, and 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 their what they do affects you as a as a coach in the sense of your reputation in general. You know, if people think of college basketball coaches, everybody's grouped in, rightly or wrongly, to what's going on. And so you want to obviously represent the best way possible or at least make sure that the message is clean. Um, Absolutely. Charlie, I'm blown away by one thing. I've known you for a number of years, and your time and, and your commitment to us has been in, invaluable. You seem like somebody who just can't stop giving back. Your program with the reading program, your, your team, your team with the team impact program, the amount of time you've spent with the NABC, whether officially on the roster or not on the roster, is insane. The fact you'll become, I believe, the second Division Three president next year, the, the academic – I can go through a list, and we won't have enough time on the show – you always are giving back. You are always giving time of yourself to something else, whether it be your team for starters or it's all these other projects. A, where do you find the time, sir? And B, what is the driving force behind all that? Well, I can tell you that I've been very fortunate to learn that I better sub- surround myself by people smarter than I am, and I do. <laughs> hey, don't we all? Uh, one of those would be a Pat Cunningham, and I'm going to wait a couple of weeks, and then I will call him back, even though he kicked, my, <laughs> kicked us down there. Um, we, we've we got a group at our level, and, and a lot of it, you know, I was on the, I, would, I chaired the Division Three committee and was in amongst mm-hmm. a, an unbelievable group of guys that sacrificed time to do the right thing in the, you know, the running of the Division Three tournament. All mm-hmm. those guys and all those committees put in an incredible amount of time and, and effort and focus. Um, I like it. I, I happen to, and I, like I said, I surround myself by with people that get things done. Uh, they all do more than I do. So um, I've just been fortunate and I, I like the administrative side of some things. And so I get involved. That's all. And I would, you know, if, if there's one thing I would like to see before my time is up, is to do as much as I can to see to it that younger coaches getting into the profession do jump into these kind of things and, and, and spend a little time and, and uh, you know, serve the game the way the guys that I've been associated with have that are, you know, we're winding down a little bit. Uh, I'm hopeful that we can do as much as possible to get young people entering the, the profession and, and working their way through it uh, to be involved as much as possible. Uh, certainly a noble uh, cause. It's great to see the young ranks come through as well. I'll leave you with this. We head to Salem for possibly the last time in March. Uh, this tournament will move on to Fort Wayne for four years. We don't know the future after that. Salem obviously has hosted a number, uh, well over 20 Division Three championships, and I know it's been a, a special place for the NABC. Uh, it's where you started the All-Star game, and I know they've been uh, very – uh, welcoming of you and anywhere from 30 to 60 coaches on championship weekend. What's it mean this year to go back to Salem? And, and what are your thoughts on, on what could be the finale? Uh, it's a good one. I, 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 you know, I think it, it's, it's normal. Uh, things do change and, and I wouldn't want to stand in the way of any of that. Uh, we will miss many of the things that um, Salem stands for, not the least of which is a Kerry Harvey cutter who's given us everything over the years, at least the time I've been involved in it. Uh, his leadership has been incredible and his, his, his assistance in making some of the programs that we try to do work. Um, 
it's this will be the last year there, at least that we know. And like you said, and and uh, the Fort Wayne people have really literally jumped in. Uh, they'll probably, I'm pretty, I'm sure they're going to be in Salem. Uh, I've had sure. some conversations with them. Uh, we're looking ahead to that a little bit as we, you know, this year going into it and moving in that direction. Yes, uh, the year after next. So uh, this will be not same old, but we'll be going back to Salem and doing the same things we've been doing over the last few years. And then we've got to make a lot of adjustments. But uh, you know, they, those these things happen, and you know, we'll 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 land on our feet and we'll keep moving. Sure. I highly suspect you would, but I certainly know that it's been a special place. Looking forward to seeing what Fort Brain brings to the table. Great to hear they've stepped up to and, and contacted everybody. That's wonderful to hear. Um, looking forward to that, and obviously looking forward to our final year in Salem. Charlie, I really appreciate the time, as always. And I love chatting with you when we are at the championship weekend. As always, we give the coach the final word. Sir, any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? Uh, no, Dave, just great, grateful for the things you do and the contributions you make with uh, bringing our game, our Division Three, great game to more and more uh, of the public, uh, and in your show, bringing guys on and and hearing how they, the relations they have with their kids and the things they do, and you know the I I I, uh, I noticed I got your email the other day by the way, and I've got some ideas, but you know the more we can get young people involved and and recognize the great service endeavors that all of our guys, that so many of our people are involved in, um, the better we like it. And then your involvement in that has been a tremendous service to our game as well. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. As I've always said, um, the NABC has been a huge supporter of ours, and I can't thank you guys enough either. So it's my way of trying to do just a little bit to, uh, to give back, as it were. Uh, thanks for your time. Enjoy the rest of the season if you can. Look forward to seeing you in Salem, and uh, we'll talk soon, I'm sure. Sounds good, Dave. Take awesome. care. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Charlie Brock joining us from uh, Springfield College. Team is 7-6. and six. Maybe a little bit deceiving there. Let's see what happens when they get into New Mac play a little bit deeper. Uh, they're probably going to be right in the thick of it, I highly suspect. Remember, by the way, uh, right around the corner from the, uh, the uh, Basketball Hall of Fame, in, is where you can find the pride playing basketball. So if you want to make a trip of it, I'm told Springfield's worth doing. I will make a trip of it, I promise you, someday soon. Uh, but thanks to Charlie Brock joining us on Appropriately Enough, City of Salem, Hoopsville Hotline. Going to take a break. We're a little bit behind schedule. Ha! Where have you heard that before on this show, right? Uh, we're going to come back, and we're going to shoot down in the southwestern corner, well past Roanoke of Virginia. And we'll talk to Emery and Henry. No, not Emery. Emery and Henry talk to the wasps men's basketball program David Wilson former division three player what has he got for a squad down there could they be one of those new top 25 teams you may see on the top 25 come Monday you're listening to hoops hope presented by d3hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios back with more after this cheer for the stumbles the heat should have had that and the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. 
This is your time. Now go out there and take it. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, then I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division III school, you primarily a student athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. Cheer for the stumbles. The heat should have had that. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you are enjoying the show. I feel like I'm a broken record coming out of breaks. We're going to have to work on that. Uh, of course, you're at the WBCA NABC studios. And again, thanks to the NABC for the previous segment, the NABC Coaches Corner with Charlie Brock. Got a couple of great ideas coming up down the road that we will take advantage of as well. Um, it's a great segment. On Thursdays at the WBCA, we kind of same segment, talking to coaches about what they're doing off the court. And on Sundays, it's the NABC. Quick note, we'll mention it at the end of the show, too. Next Sunday, Hoopsville will not air. We are pushing it probably to Monday afternoon. We will be uh, with the Centennial Conference at the Palestra, where they're playing five games. We'll talk more about that at the end of the show and, of course, on Thursday's show as well. Uh, we'll maybe do some quick little Hoopsville hits while we're out there between games, but the whole show will move to next Monday, so um, the 15th instead of the 14th. All right, so I mentioned Emory and Henry. This is a squad that was on my radar for a couple of weeks. Don't really know what to make of, to be blunt. Um, we're on my top 25. Didn't know what to make of. 12-1. and one. They had just come off a loss to Worcester, or I probably would have voted for him last week. Um, it was one of those where I didn't quite know what to make of it because Worcester, let's be honest, isn't the Worcester we're all used to. They wouldn't have made the NCAA tournament last year um, had they not won the automatic bid. Now, granted, Worcester's 10-3, which is kind of the weird thing. Their losses came in a four-game stretch against St. John Fisher, Denison, and Wabash. So even I have to kind of reevaluate my opinion of Worcester because they also just beat Ohio Wesleyan. So, But back to Emory and Henry, 12-1. and one. They were 20-8 and eight last season. Back in 14-15, they were 5-21. and 21. Before that, 4-22. and 22. That's where this team has come from. 
They're coached by a, an alum of Division Three, Hampton Sydney, class of 04. They're located in the southwestern corner of Virginia, literally in the corner. We don't know much about them, but clearly they're having a tremendous season. And did you see what they did over the week? Well, they beat Guilford, which had been the ODAC pick and is not having this great a season as everyone thought as a top 25 voter. I thought they'd be great. They're six and seven. And then they beat Virginia Wesleyan, which has always been the class of division of the of the ODAC. So what do we make of Emory and Henry? As you know, if you have watched this show, I get my answers from the coaches. So we go to the Hoopsville Hotline, sponsored by the City of Salem. And joining us there is David Wilson, head coach of the Wasps. And coach, thanks for taking the time and congratulations on what has been a tremendous first half of the season. Well, thanks, Dave. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. I appreciate you taking the time. We should point out, you and I actually chatted earlier in the week, unbeknownst of this interview, about where you guys stood on the national landscape of things. And and we both kind of admitted, and you said it yourself, what you're about to go through is going to be the best barometer of what you really are. Virginia Wesleyan, who you just got past, you'll have to take on Roanoke, granted at home, which is an advantage. Then you're on the road at your alma mater, Hamden, Sydney, before facing Lynchburg and Randolph-Macon. That's how you, quote-unquote, start the ODAC play. Obviously, you've played two ODAC games already. But 12-1, and one, this program hasn't been 12-1 and one since ever? <laughs> well, back, at, back in the, early, the late 80s and early 90s, there were some great teams that True. came out of here. And there, there were... Uh... Um, there was a legendary coach here named Bob Johnson. Yeah, I think and, we know uh, they, about him. <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, they they produced, um, I believe it was five NCAA tournament teams. They went to two Sweet Sixteens, and and so the program uh, has a definitely has a history um, that we're all proud of. And and uh, uh, but but in the recent uh, history, uh, we've. It hasn't. We've struggled a little bit, and uh, it certainly has been special just to see things improve each year and uh, to be a part of that process. Yeah, it certainly is an incredible start. And again, four and twenty-one, four and twenty-two back in two thousand twelve, thirteen, thirteen, fourteen. That's where this program has come from. Five and twenty-one the next season, then a jump to sixteen and twelve two years ago, twenty and eight last season. 12 and 4 in the conference. It felt like last year you kind of got lost in what was a fascinating Randolph Macon Guilford race and a what the heck happened to Lynchburg Virginia Wesleyan storyline. You literally got sandwiched in between that and kind of flew under the radar. Yeah, you know, it was, um, you know, I thought we what we did last year that was uh, impressive to me was we finished really strong. Hey, you won um, nine I in think- a row. Yeah, I think early in the conference schedule, uh, we were probably kind of in the middle of the league, and then our guys just put together a great run down the stretch. We we won nine games uh, leading into the ODAC championship game against Guilford, and I think that that stretch um, put us in the mix a little bit. But we were kind of latecomers, so maybe that's why we weren't quite as noticeable to certain people. Yeah, you lost four of six earlier in the season. You lost three mm-hmm. of five in the middle of January. And I think a lot of people went, okay, you know, it's the ODAC play. We're, we're focused by Randolph-Macon. We're focused on Guilford. Again, what's going on with Lynchburg and Virginia Wesley? And, and you guys kind of ended up there. You ended up in the championship game. I remember watching a lot of the game, preparing for our, our special that night. Um, and you're knocking on the door on getting into the NCAA tournament with that. Lost by 10, yes. 
But it, it is any of that season or that particular loss and missing out on any postseason play, has that spurned on this team, or has this been completely focused on this year? Um, I, I think it's not something that I talk about a ton with our guys. Um, you know, to me, each year is a new year. But I, I definitely think if you were to talk to our players, particularly the guys, obviously, that returned from that team, they would say that it's definitely a very motivating factor for them. Um, you know, when you get that close and, uh, you know, you can taste it a little bit, but but you don't have the opportunity to move forward into the NCAA tournament um, or you don't get a chance to cut those nets down in Salem, but but you're that close. You know, I think it, it's definitely um, something that uh, lights a fire for you going into the next year. So I definitely think we have some guys that are motivated by that, and, and um, you know, I'm sure that's a good thing for us. Sorry, I hit mute on my mic. Uh, let's talk about this season. You start off with wins over Swanee, Maryville. Uh, you also had a win over Ferrum, a win over in, in overtime against Shenandoah, who seems like you know, under a new coach to be a sneaky good team. Mm-hmm. You beat Eastern Mennonite by 20. Maybe you're the reason that uh, Coach Kirby decided he's hanging up his, uh, his uh, clipboard. Um, and then you transitioned into the holiday season, and you got a win over Transylvania, who's – Sneaky good this year. I think Brian Lane would mm-hmm. tell you he'd love to be better, but they're ten and three. Mm-hmm. Uh, you beat North Park. Granted, a team who doesn't have their best player and isn't as good as people thought, but still solid win. Then you get a mm-hmm. win over Alma, and then the loss to Worcester. That stretch right there. Tell me what what that was. You had you had four games before and after Christmas. What was the focus going into that? And was three and one acceptable, or did you really want to come out of that four and zero? Oh? Well, I, you know, we would love to have come out of that 4-0, um, and I think we had a really good chance to come out of it 4-0. That, that game at Worcester was a great game. I think it was a, you know, it was a two-point game with a minute and a half to go, mm-hmm. and uh, they, to their credit, uh, they made some plays, and we didn't. And um, But yeah, I'll tell you why I scheduled it to start. You know, we're trying to get our schedule to a point where we have some really competitive non-regional games. And I, I want to do that for a number of reasons. Obviously, my hope is is that it would help to improve our resume. Um, you know, if we are in the mix uh, for an NCAA tournament selection. But the bigger reason I scheduled that way is because I want our team to get better. And um, when you go to Transylvania and you play against that team, um, you know that's very well coached and very talented on their court, um, and you play against um, a very well coached North Park team. Um, and then you go to a place like Wooster. I think they've won a few games over the years. Um, yeah. Under Coach Moore, they've been pretty solid over the years. You know, so so those things expose us to a level of competition that I expected to really help us take steps. And even though the, even though we lost that Wooster game, boy, did it help us get better. Um, you know, the lessons we learned going down the stretch. I, I felt like I told the guys it was. It had a lot of similarities to an NCAA tournament game. Obviously, the, you know, the environment is a little more electric. Not that they didn't have a good crowd, but obviously for an NCAA tournament game, it's electric. But just the level of competition and um, the quality of play, um, I thought, will, will really help us moving forward and will also bode well for us um, as we get to the postseason. Oh, absolutely. And again, those, as those teams continue to have good seasons, it looks better and better for you guys as well. Of course, you've got Roanoke coming up again at home, which I think is a nice advantage. Then you're on the road at your alma mater, Hamden Sydney, before coming back home against Lynchburg and Randolph Macon. As you and I discussed, this is a big five game stretch here 
in in ODAC play. And if anybody's not familiar, it's the it's the non double round robin, a little offset ODAC model. How important is this stretch for not only maybe and we'll talk about it in a minute national uh, implications and conversations, but for you guys as a squad for the goals you're trying to hit this season. Yeah, well, for, it's not helping my sleep. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know, noticed that. <laughs> going, last week, going into a uh, game against Guilford and then Virginia Wesleyan and then all those other ones you mentioned uh, did not help me get a lot of sleep. Yeah. And, but but um, it's important. Um, you know, I definitely think if you're looking at it from an NCAA tournament perspective and those types of things, um, it's definitely got a lot of significance to it. But that's just not something we focus on as a team and – and it's not something that I spend any time talking about with our guys. Um, you know, we we're, we talk about being a team on a mission, and uh, the number one mission we have is just getting better every day. And so when we play these types of teams, it stresses us in a lot of areas, both offensively and defensively, and, and it makes us better. And, uh, you know, we know we have to go in very well prepared. We have a lot of respect for, for each game we have coming up, and certainly um, Roanoke is – is going to be a really tough one for us. But, uh, you know, that that's kind of how we look at it, is we just look at each day and we, we want to take advantage of opportunities to improve and to prepare each day and, and uh, you know, give our best effort each game. Um, so, so that's our conversation as a team, and I'm sure um, I know that if you were to step outside of that and look at it from an NCAA tournament perspective or maybe a ranking perspective, um, it, it certainly does have a lot of significance. Let's talk about this team led by senior John Shelder. Uh, Scheller, I apologize. It's actually Sheeler. Sheeler. Yeah, hey, you John know what? Sheeler, We're just yeah. 0 for 3. Why don't we just keep on rolling? Uh, 16.5 points a game, uh, and he's pretty, pretty much your, your, your go-to threat. 52% on the floor, 43% from beyond the arc, 87% free throw shooter. Then you have a sophomore in Colin Molden, nearly 16 points a game himself, five assists a game with a two-and-a-half assist to turnover ratio and two steals. He's showing off. Uh, Chase Branscombe, uh, Branscombe uh, a senior there also, 14-and-a-half mm-hmm. points a game. Daniel Spencer, a sophomore, 13 points a game. Uh, Theron? It's Theron Suggs. It is Theron. Theron yeah. Suggs, a freshman. We, we've heard about every variety of, I of figured, how you pronounce that word. Uh, Theron Suggs. Yeah. Theron Suggs, 10 points a game. <laughs> yeah. And then Alec Wynn, a junior, 8.9 points a game. Wynn not joining the double-digit party. Five guys in double digits. Uh, Branscombe, the uh, the top, the second leading rebounder at 8.5. Wynn actually at 10 rebounds a, a game. That's six Really good guys statistically for a team averaging 87.5 points a game. you got a lot of options. Yeah, I think that's the thing that makes us um, really good offensively particularly is just we have balance. That was something that we took a lot of pride in last year, and I, I think it, it's um, still a really big strength of ours this year. Um, the other thing is you read down that list, um, we have a really good mix of veterans and yeah. newcomers. Yep. And um, I think that's one of the things that excites me about this team is just our upside. You know, I, I look at the first 13 games and uh, we've done a lot of good things, but I think we're still gelling. And, um, you know, I think we're, I look at the progress we've made since November. Um, if we can continue that trend and we can continue to focus on getting better, I think we could be really, really good um, going down the stretch. So, so it's, it's exciting to me. Well, you do have a nice mix, and that's the other thing I was going to uh, stick on there. 
How much has recruiting changed now that this program's kind of turned around and entered the conversation? I kind of see it here in the, some of the talent you've got in underclassmen, but it's got to be having some kind of impact. Yeah, no, it does. Um, you know, the, the important thing to me in recruiting anywhere I've been, um, you know, whether it's Elon, Furman, William & Mary, or here, um, is just recruiting the right fit. Um, and so when I was an assistant, I wanted to recruit somebody that was going to fit my head coach well but also fit the program and the school. And uh, that's very important to me as a head coach here is that we find guys that are going to be good fits, not just in our program, but also on our campus. Mm -hmm. And I think when you do that, you give yourself a better chance to have um, good retention. And, you know, your, your kids are going to thrive. And, uh, and so, um, you know, um, certainly I think our success has, has opened the eyes of, of people in the recruiting trail a little bit more. But um, at the same time, we're still looking for the same type of thing. Uh, we want to find kids that are going to be academically motivated. We want to find kids that are going to be great teammates and they're going to have a good work ethic. And obviously that are going to have the talent to compete both in the ODAC and, and on a national level. And, sure. um, and so it's, it's, it's stayed the same in a lot of ways, but it's probably, it's probably helped us um, a little bit. Uh, let's talk about this conference race. Uh, I, th I think you and I discussed this a little bit. Uh, conference feels like it took a step back nationally, and I think it's because the top of the conference hasn't been as as stellar as, as you've certainly known, having played in the conference at Hampton-Sydney or as what we've gotten used to. But the middle is still really competitive, and if anything, the conference maybe is deeper than it used to be. How important is it to stay as relatively unscathed as possible <laughs> through conference play before getting to the gauntlet that is the conference tournament? Oh, it's I, I you know, and you, you've already addressed it a little bit. But when I was playing, I'm not going to say when because it's getting to be a long time ago. But it's on our website um, if anybody wants to find it. Ah, uh, shucks. Um, <laughs> but. You know, um, there was probably three teams um, that were really good. I mean, you know, there was one year um, that we played Randolph-Macon at their place, and I think we were uh, maybe we were number one or they, they were number two. Or it was the other way around, but we were the number one and number two teams in the country. And then at that time, Virginia Weslin, Coach Macedo, was starting to move them up into the top. That was kind of right before they had some really big runs in the NCAA tournament. Uh, uh, Coach Palumbo was just getting Guilford up. But there was, you know, since then, there's been so many programs um, like Lynchburg and Eastern Mennonite and Washington and Lee. Um, Randolph wasn't even in the conference at that time. And um, obviously, um, Coach Nunley, um, you know, led them to some great success um, pretty recently. And so there's just been, you know, the bottom of the league has just come up. And, and so I think the difference in the ODAC now compared to maybe you go back 10 years ago is that it's so much stronger in the middle. And, um, and that's what makes this, um, you know, that, that's why I'm not sleeping right now. <laughs> I'm, look, I, I'm looking at six games that are just all going to be dogfights. Yeah. And uh, when I was at Hampton, Sydney, um, you know, you wouldn't have coach Saver, you know, we, we never would have taken a day off because we knew he would have had us practicing at five in the morning the next day. But, but, you know, we kind of knew that there was a lot of games where, you know, if we just showed up and played pretty well, we'd be all right, you know, and you just can't do that now. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say that's the difference in the ODAC. It's still a great league. Um, maybe we don't have some of the teams in the 
the you know we, we I think when I was playing there were two or three teams in the top 25 typically and, and that's not something that we have going on right now but I still think we have some really good teams towards the top but you're right it's just a it's a wash it's a it's a dogfight uh, in the middle. So let me ask you this I've I've asked this of Guy Rancourt of Lycoming uh, recently I've asked this of others. I'm a top 25 voter, as everybody knows. I'm I'm not voting necessarily right now for the Wasps. That said, I've got my top 25 information in, in front of me, and there are a number of teams that have given me plenty of opportunities to throw anybody else I want into the top 25. I've got room. Um, if you were to make a pitch, and that's not something we ever have, and I don't want to take it that way, but if you were to try and tell convince me why you may be a top 25 team, where where would what kind of point would you raise? Well, first of all, I couldn't make an argument because that would be pretty insincere because I don't have sure. a, as good of a grasp of the national landscape. All right. Division three well, then let's rephrase is. the question because you, sure. you raise a good point. Let's rephrase the question. What, what makes you a team that we should right. be considering on a national scale? What, what's well, so special about your squad this year? Yeah, and I, how about I just – I'll just tell you what I like about our team. Perfect. I, and and I, I think – First of all, I'm proud of how we started. Um, you know, I think you know, I, I think we've played a tough schedule, and part of the reason it's a tough schedule is three out of our 13 games have been home games. You know, the, the other 10 have been on the road, and uh, so I'm proud of how our players have not only handled some good opponents, but we've done it on the road, and uh, you know, all the things that you deal with in terms of the adversity you typically face on the road, and it's made us a better team. Mm. Um, but um, you know, we've been successful. Um, playing a lot of road games, um, and I think I think some of our wins are quality wins. I mean, I think winning at Transylvania, uh, it's a well-coached team with, with good talent, and that's that's a great win. I think beating Maryville is a, a great win. Coach Lambert's got a good team this year. They're eight and three right now, I believe, and you know, beating Virginia Wesleyan and winning at Guilford, um, you know, I think those are really quality wins. Um, I think our loss is to a very good team. Um, Wooster is not only well coached, but they've got really good talent, and uh, they've got a guard. Uh, I think his name is Spencer Williams. Yeah, um, played really well against us. Um, so um, you know, I think we, I think our schedule has been solid, and and uh, we've we've I'm proud of how we've handled that. But I think the biggest thing for me is that I'm just excited about how good we could be, and. Uh, you know, I mentioned just the mix of young guys on our team with some veterans. I think we're still learning to play together. Um, I think we're still learning our system. Um, we have to get so much better defensively. And, and when I look at the areas that we need to get better, it, it, it excites me because I think if we improve in those areas, we're going to be really tough. And one thing that has been a hallmark of our program the last four years is that all of our teams have played their best basketball at the end of the year. Um, you know, last year uh, we went on a nine-game win streak into the ODAC finals. Uh, the year before that, we had a great run to the ODAC semifinals. And even those two years you mentioned where the, the, it was harder to find a win, um, we, we still were playing our best basketball at the end of the year, which I was really proud of because those teams went through a whole lot of adversity and a lot of losing, and they stayed with it and got better. So I would say if this team um, continues to buy into that mentality, um, we can be really good uh, by the end of the season. And um, I think that's a worthwhile note for anybody considering the loss. Well, there you go.
Appreciate you taking the time to break that down for us, and we'll see what the top 25 voters do at least this week. Like I said, there's plenty of options. Um, <laughs> everybody can't win. Uh, good luck the rest of the way. Uh, certainly going to be fascinating in the next four, but beyond that as well. Uh, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? That's nice of you. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I just say thank you. I'm, I'm sure this is something you hear um, a lot, but um, as a former player and as a current coach, um, you know, I, I just I think Division Three basketball is very unique. But um, it, it, there's there's a lot of great stories to tell out of this level of college basketball, and uh, we don't we don't get the same um, recognition and exposure that Division One gets. But when there's a platform like D3 Hoops, um, I think it adds a lot of value to the country for people to hear about a lot of great teams, um, great players, great coaches, et cetera. And so I'm I'm grateful to have the opportunity to talk about something I'm very passionate about, and that's that's Emory and Henry College, and uh, that's our team. And so I, I'm I'm appreciative that you'd have me on the show, and, and appreciate what you guys do. Absolutely. Thank you for taking the time. And uh, we can't do this show without coaches like yourself willing to sacrifice some of their time to come on and talk about their squads or their regions or their conferences. So I appreciate it as well. Uh, good luck the rest of the way, as we mentioned, and uh, look forward to talking to you down the road. Thanks, Dave. Absolutely. David Wilson joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Again, their squad has Roanoke at home on Tuesday. Then they'll be on the road at Hampton, Sydney on, of course, which is his alma mater. I can't remember. It's the 13th. I don't remember what day of the week that is. I, I apologize. Uh, I think it's Saturday. And then they're at home against Lynchburg and Randolph-Macon. That's the next stretch. That's a real test for them. You know, would not be surprised if they don't leap into the top 25 if they're not getting significant amount of votes uh, come uh, this, this coming vote, Monday. But I'm not sure. Where do they may stand with other voters? That's what's coming up next. Our new Sunday segment, the Top 25 Conversation with no real name, uh, with uh, Ryan Scott, our Around the Nation columnist. He'll join me here in a little bit, and we'll talk about that, and I'll answer some of your questions. That's all ahead as we go into overtime and try and wrap this show up uh, as succinctly as we can. If you're listening to Hoops, Hoops, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC Studios. Back with more after this. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I play because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up to make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us to be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us, to, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org.
we've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're. I gotta find something new. Hope you're enjoying the show. We're gonna have to find something new with that, or just put it on our our cool little. Uh, our new system here where we can get applause and stuff like that and cool little things. Uh, if you got questions for us, last chance to get them in for this show. i got a couple emails I do plan on answering at the end here. Uh, among other things, you can email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. You can tweet us at d3hoopsville or hashtag hoopsville. We will get a graphic up there someday. i got some time finally this week where things slow down a little bit. I say that considering going into the... A crazy weekend next weekend, but we'll find some time to do things. Might have an ice storm tomorrow that will keep us in the house. That will get me to do some stuff. Uh, you can also uh, join us on Facebook Live, though I will warn you now with the next segment, due to the fact we are down a monitor, I may not be able to see some of the questions on Facebook Live and YouTube for this, so I apologize now, um, but we will try and answer the questions we think are coming. A uh, new segment we debuted at the end of the first semester on Sunday nights. It's kind of the a top 25 whip around, or as our good friend Ira uh, Thor called it, the Great Scott Skeg segment. That's because Ryan Scott, our national common, uh, uh, contributor at D3Hoops.com, is joining me. And we'll talk about top 25s, maybe some sleeper teams and whatnot. Again, with our production a little bit on wonky here, we hopefully will get this to work. Um, oh, I just realized a minor glitch because of the, of the wackiness here. Um, bear with me. i got to fix something. <laughs> The uh, wackiness of losing a monitor also throws my system into disarray, so we have to fix that. Um, but Ryan is with us, and he will join me as soon as I figure out which monitor I need to select to make sure we get him. So bear with me here, folks. Didn't see this coming because it doesn't usually happen. Actually, we can go to Ryan back and forth without... No, I can't do that either. Um, so Ryan's our Around the Nation columnist. We should point out, by the way, we've had some great articles on D3 Hoops of late. Uh, if you haven't had a chance, go to our Around the Region article writers because they've been tremendous. Um, really impressed with some of the articles we've gotten. There's one on the Great Lakes. We're going to get that young man, I hope, on the marathons coming up uh, in February and such. I uh, definitely want you to go and check them out if you get the chance. Uh, here we go. I'm, I'm finding the right button to press, and we finally found it, and we can change. It says I'm on. Yeah, this is ridiculous, folks. There we go. I found it at least for that. One down. Hold on. Just got to reframe it so that Ryan doesn't take up the whole screen and we don't see anything else. He is here, and he will join us, and he should be able to join us now. Ryan, there you are, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. Good. How are you doing, Dave? I see you. Had our volume a little low there. Uh, I know you're battling a little bit of a cold, but I appreciate you taking the time. 
Oh, no, I'm glad to do it. It's uh, spent the last three hours working on my ballot, so uh, I'm all ready to go. You're lucky. You get to spend the time while I'm doing the show working on your ballot. I haven't done it yet, and this will be interesting. First and foremost, you and I, obviously, we talk a lot behind the scenes. This is getting crazy, Ryan. We, we are experiencing a number of losses in the top 25 and outside the top 25 on every single week. I don't think we've had a moment where things have just settled at any point in this season. Um, no, not at all. Um, usually, as I do these ballots, I try at the beginning of the season to blow them up every week and not work off my previous ballot because I don't want, you know, there's such a small sample size. I don't want that to cloud my judgment. Sure. But usually by this time of year, I'm working off the previous week because you can. Yeah. And uh, you can't this year. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a that's a great way of saying it. And I do work off my previous ballot because I have certain thinkings of what that ballot is. But there's no wrong way and there's no right way. And I know that maybe some of my comments have sparked something on the top 25 boards. I haven't been there in a while. I noticed there were four pages, which hadn't happened in, in eons. Uh, I'll have to go back in there and see how many people think I'm wrong. But when you look at the, I mean, first off, I said at the beginning of the show, it's awesome that we have all these results because now it's fun. Uh, every single night, we don't have a tr games that we know how they're going to turn out. We tune in because now you're going to have to tune in. But as a top 25 voter, and obviously you're one of them, it's not like we have a pool of 30. It's not like we have a pool of 35. You could argue we've got a pool of 50 teams to try and argue into a top 25 ballot. All right, I can give you my example. I kind of separate my ballot into four groups as I'm getting going, the top group being the ones I definitely want to vote for. And then the next group being the ones I'm willing to vote for with some reservation. Sure. And in most years, I have to take teams off the ones I want to vote for. Right? I always have more than 25 on there. This year, uh, at least this week, I only made it to 20. Ooh. So I have a group of 22 teams I don't really want to vote for, and I'm going to have to pick five of them. So that tells you where we're at. Yeah, that kind of does. Um, anybody that... I don't want to say this in a negative way, but a team that really surprised you by their their struggles this year so far. Um, I mean, there's a there's a number of teams that we thought would be bad. Rampo was one. Um, you know, I thought that they would be very solid this year, and they're good. I mean, they're certainly a team I'm considering uh, on the ballot. They're they're towards the bottom when I had them a top five to start the year. Um, but you know, they they haven't they haven't done anything to stand out the way some of those top 10 teams have so that's a little surprising um you know Hanover was was pretty high up I was a little skeptical about that but um they really uh again not a bad team but they're not what we expected them to be yeah another one we might I was just thinking we might point out is Keene State I really yeah. thought Keene State would be good they lost a lot but they're bringing a lot back um and again they've had some good wins I'd still have you know it's a team that that I haven't written off or anything, but it's it's not what I expected them to be either. It's an interesting point of view. I didn't expect as much out of Keene State, but that's why we have 25 voters, all from different backgrounds and point of points of view. Without diving into who's your top 25 right now, because that's certainly not what we're, we're trying to do with this segment, is there any team that you've marked as, as being one that you think deserves a little bit of attention that isn't? Maybe slipping under the radar. Maybe you could call them a sleeper to some degree. Well, I mean, besides the the Swarthmore, right? That yeah. everyone else is voting for, but you, right? So, Apparently. Um, well, that, that's one of like six I'm not voting for. <laughs> yeah, 
Uh, I have Skidmore higher than most people. I still think that's a really quality team. Um, you know, maybe they haven't had the best schedule so far, but I, I think that one's pretty good. And then farther down, um, you know, I've been looking at Adrian this week up up in the MIAA. Um, you know, wasn't sure what to expect out of that whole conference this yeah. year, but they've they've you know, I've only got two losses, and uh, at this point, only having two losses puts you in consideration for things. Yeah, that's a fair point. And, yeah, I saw you mention Adrian earlier, and I kind of took it back. I was like, wait, wait, there's something going on I don't know about. I need to check them out myself, and luckily they'll be, they're in this, this packet that I can check them out as well. A team like an Emory and Henry obviously has, you know, we just had them on the show. They kind of jumped out, as it were, uh, into things. How do you make – I mean, there's a lot of teams. There's I pointed out a few in the last blog. There was Lycoming, there's Juniata, there was Nebraska Wesleyan, there's Emory and Henry. There's a number of teams with these huge, gaudy records, but they're hard to gauge. Do you have a way that you're able to figure this out, or are you, for lack of a better term, shooting in the dark like I am? Um, what, what I decided to do this year is, is just wait till we see a real win. No. So, I mean, the teams that uh, that 22 teams that I'm considering for those last five spots, I've got sitting all together, Emory and Henry, Platteville and Franklin and Marshall, which are three one loss teams that just haven't had great schedules. And, you know, a lot of what those four pages on the, the message boards have been talking about is what do you do with these teams? How do you handle a team that doesn't really have a signature win yet, but but has a good record? Um, and it's just it's hard, especially at this point of year when they haven't even played a lot of conference games yet to know how they stack up. And how hard is it for a team that you can't seem to let go? But man, there's enough signs that tells you you should have let them go. You should let them go sometime soon. Uh, last year I had trouble with that. This year not so much. Everybody's okay. losing enough. You know, uh, if it feels like they're on a they're on a, a, a downward trajectory, I'm I'm pulling the trigger sometimes a little too quick. Uh, I did that a little bit with Whitewater. They were real struggling at the beginning of the year, but they've had some good results the last couple. So. Yeah, the WIAC is is going to be crazy. The CCIW always is crazy, but the WIAC this year is nuts. But the NCAC is going to be tough. The OAC is going to be tough. And we're even seeing signs that the NESCAC could be absolutely ridiculous this year. Williams beats Middlebury, or Wesleyan. Wesleyan beats Middlebury. Yeah, and and Hamilton's in there, too. They, yep. they put a good hurting on Trinity, who's had some good results as well. You know, I mean, we're looking at a, a NESCAC where Amherst might be the seventh best team, which is weird. Yeah, agreed. And very weird. But at the same time, we've seen a Wesleyan as a seven seed go on to win. Anything is possible when it comes to the NESCAC. Um, I don't want to keep you too long, um, but is there anything else on your mind when you look at the top 25, even on the women's side of things, on the landscape of D3 as we're, you know, pretty much at the halfway point of the season here, that's caught your eye? Well, I mean, just uh, to briefly mention the women's side, the fact that there are ranked teams losing is yeah. unusual. Tough right? loss twice. That just doesn't happen too often where you're going to see three or four or five ranked teams on the women's side lose all in the same day, which is exciting because that means there's parity, there's teams coming up and challenging, and, and things are different. Um, the other one is just some of the, the geography that we talk about, right, that the teams are still pretty regionalized. As much as maybe the, the Great Lakes and the Mid-Atlantic and the Northeast can kind of get together, I've been looking at Sul Ross State down in Texas, which is isolated even for Texas. Yes. Um, out in the middle of nowhere, they've got a good record. They have four losses. Two of them are to non-D3 teams. But, you know, just their conference schedule is really big, and they don't have a lot of teams they can play. I mean, two of their non-conference games are conference opponents. 
that they had to add at the beginning of the season. So, you know, that's a team that I'd love to vote for, and I think they're good, but it's just hard to get context when you have so many people competing for that attention. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And Solrath State is most definitely in the middle of nowhere for for being already in the middle of nowhere. Uh, yeah. They are, are they the ones that's out in the western part of the state? If I'm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, out they're, by El Paso. They're like four hours from anybody else in the conference. Yeah, even, so. I feel bad for them sometimes, but... Well, uh, we're going to we're keep fine-tuning this one and moving forward. Tech issues tonight caused me to not fine-tune as much as, as we normally do. But I appreciate you coming on and kind of giving your insight on things. And uh, I'm glad to hear you got some of your work done on the Top 25. I might call you tomorrow and just have you fill out mine for me. Yeah, that's fine. I don't mind doing that. That's no problem at all. <laughs> Ryan, thank you so much, sir. Take care, and we'll talk to you I'm going to put Swarth for number one if you give me your ballot. That's What would you say? So I'm going to put Swarthmore number one if you give me your ballot. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I don't have Swarthmore. I don't have Lightcoming. I don't have Juniata. There's a lot of teams in the top 25 I don't have. It's really a weird year. Uh, thanks very much. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk soon. Any final thoughts? Well, I was just going to say thank you for having this section because uh, I've realized as we're sitting here that somehow I deleted Lycoming off my list of 100 or so teams, so I need to make sure I get them back on the right spot. So <laughs> you're thank you. You're welcome, sir. <laughs> Yeah, this is what just make it more more complicated for you later. <laughs> oh yeah. All right, bud. Take care. We'll talk soon. See you later. Thank you. Ryan Scott joining us on the City of Salem Skype hotline. Appreciate him taking the time to do that. Fun to talk with him. We'll keep we'll keep honing that schedule a little that that thing a little bit and and make it better as we move forward as well. Um, all right. So I got a couple email questions. So let me get to those before we sign off for tonight. Well into overtime. I apologize. Really for tech issues. The biggest reason. So this person uh, has an interesting question. He says, "Listen, I might be biased, but I think it's it's a little in depth. But we'll kind of par- kind of paraphrase a little bit of what he's asking." He says, "On the D three football side of the fence, there's also a discussion on teams that play easy non conference schedules as a way of bettering their chances to make the NCAA tournament." And remember, on the football schedule, most schools only have maybe one, if two, games in non conference to play. Some that's not the case, but for the majority, it certainly is. So there's not a lot of games in their schedule against non-conference. This fall, it seemed like the NCAA football committee rewarded teams who sought out tough non-conference competition. While there may, while there are many, many more games in Division Three basketball, as we pointed out, and things might even out more. What are your thoughts? Does the SOS really help balance things out? If you go 11 and 0 with a super easy non-conference schedule, do you increase your tournament chances? Compared to other conference teams that play a tough non-conference schedule, end up nine and three prior to the start of conference. Um, he, he points out the WIAC, where a lot of teams had good starts to the season, but they now have, have taken a couple of hits already. Um, or on the flip side of that, you know, could a team who had really schedules tough and then takes some hits, maybe hurting themselves? Listen, it, it's scheduling. I've actually talked to a number of coaches recently. Scheduling is tough. Um, I think we have found from the NCAA's point of view that they're not going to necessarily reward you for an easy schedule, and they're not going to necessarily punish you for a hard schedule. It, there's there's somewhere of a medium in between. In the sense of uh, last year, we saw Oshkosh with a ridiculously hard schedule. Um not get a lot of wins. Remember, they were below what we thought was the Mendoza line of 667 winning percentage. Get into the NCAA tournament. We can go back and forth, hem and haw until we're blue in the face 
about whether that was the right decision. I don't know. I, I still don't have an opinion on it. Yes, the data as we know it of the SOS and results versus regionally ranked opponents and all of that indicated that Oshkosh had a good argument, and if you're going to break the trend, they weren't a bad team to do it with. Was it the right decision? I don't know. What I do know is we know that if you go out there and schedule cupcakes in the non-conference schedule, you're not necessarily going to be rewarded by the NCAA, uh, the committee that is. Yes, you might be in a really good conference that makes up for that, but you need results versus regionally ranked opponents. You need that data. You need the data to to boost your SOS, to get into the conversation. You need to also do well in your conference. So, no, I I have not seen teams who schedule really easy be rewarded for it. Now, there may be some of you screaming about the NESCAC. And we talk about the NESCAC in nauseum, about the fact that a lot of those teams have a ton of games to schedule. And by the way, I hear more and more coaches asking and wishing they played a double round robin or some kind of ODAC type model. Yes, they they the smart ones, knowingly or unknowingly, are playing the top of the average conferences and not the middle or bottom. As a result, they're also getting wins which is important to this entire mix. So they're doing well by their SOS because the heart, the worst part of their SOS is not the part that's magnified the most. They got a, they're playing an opponent that's going to have a good win-loss percentage in a bad conference. The bad conference part doesn't, doesn't get dinged on the SOS as much. But those NESCAC teams are still winning, and they're still playing the top of those conferences. The keen states of the world have shown that they can still do well in the NCAA tournament, the Morrisville States of a few years ago in the in the NEAC, one of the to be honest, one of the worst conferences in Division Three in terms of 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 strength. They have proven that they can still go well. So the top of those conferences still aren't bad teams. And those schools go out and schedule them and usually win those games. Albertus Magnus has proven that. I mean, Cabrini has proven that. We can go through a lot of schools who have been at the top of average to below average conferences who've represented themselves well, and schools like the NESCAC go out there and schedule them because they get a good win-loss percentage against a bad conference, and the bad conference doesn't hurt them. There is too far in either direction. We saw Lancaster Bible a couple years ago. If they don't go undefeated in the con- in the regular season, winning the conference automatic qualifier, they're out of the NCAA tournament even if their first loss was the conference title game because their SOS was so poor. They had one game of significance in the entire 27 games they played. Um, and they won that, at least, but that was it. So... To answer the question, you cannot go out there and schedule easy. We have seen many teams get left at home scheduling easy. You don't necessarily have to go out there and schedule ridiculously hard because you may have the best SOS in the country, but if you're 17 and 12, 17 and 11, you're probably not making the NC tournament. Oshkosh was the exception. I don't think that's a pattern, if that makes any sense. Um so go ahead and schedule to the best of your abilities. His one point was he thought schools like Whitewater, River Falls, and Stevens Point um, may be at a disadvantage 
because they scheduled too hard and they've taken a bunch of losses. First off, Stevens Point, let's remove him from the conversation. I don't think Stevens Point's a team that's good enough that's going to be in an at-large scenario. I, I really don't. Yes, I know they're going to play win some games in a WAC, and that's not a that's not a surprise. They've got a good defense. Bob Semling's always been a good defensive coach. They're going to be good. I just don't think they get the firepower for the entire season, especially as we get into the second round of the WIAC games, to stay in the mix. If you take too many losses in conferences, conversation's over anyway. So it becomes a balancing act between a, a coach who's going to go out there and try and win games in non-conference and prepare himself for conference play and even prepare himself for March while also getting through the conference. And that's a balancing act. And no, I don't think scheduling easy has had its benefits to get in the NCAA tournament. We, we just haven't seen it. And no, I don't think scheduling it ridiculously difficult has had its advantages. And I don't think it's necessarily prepared. I think it's somewhere in the middle. And yes, as a result, um, the SOS uh, absolutely uh, has an impact and does help balance things out. Maybe too far. There are some that would argue that the SOS has too much influence and that win-loss has been ignored for conferences like the ASC and elsewhere where they can't get a lot of out-of-conference games against good quality opponents. And that's certainly another argument and another conversation to be had. But I think the SOS does do its due diligence in our sport in helping determine who the best teams are to be selected in the NCAA tournament. And no, easy schedules don't help. I, maybe football went too far this year. I was following that, too. Maybe football went too far this year in the other direction of trying to reward schools for SOSs um, or, or tough schedules despite having a few extra losses. I, I that's That was their decision. I don't know if I necessarily agree with it. But they're also only selecting about five at-large teams. We're selecting 19. By the time, or I think that's the number, by the time we get down to those last five, six, even ten, it's such in the nitty-gritty that all those numbers help make us a decision. And no team that went out there and just cupcaked it is going to get rewarded for that. You're not. You still have to win, but you can't be winning against the bottom of conferences. Plain and simple. If your SOS isn't good enough to be in the conversation, you're not going to be part of the conversation. Um, I hope that answered that question. It's a little bit incomplex. I'll try and maybe write that individual back uh, to be a little bit better uh, in that. Uh, I said, um, I'm starting to think about the Ramapo situation. Might have been a little more than two losses against two good teams in Vegas. Your thoughts? Um, you know what? I don't know about Ramapo yet. Um, I will say Bonacom's not the same player we, as last year or the year before I, for whatever reason. I've heard some store, uh, some things behind the scenes that might attribute to why he's not playing like we thought he would be playing. Um, he's still good, don't get me wrong. But I was talking to a coach, and and he and I had a va- fascinating point of view that we both agreed on. I think Ramapo gets out of what works, or keep they they switch out too much of what they're doing and aren't consistent. So you might see them come down the court with pace five or six times and go to the guys who've got a little bit of that extra step, got a little bit of pace. Um, I should call up the guys' names, but I don't have them in front of me. Um, and drive to the basket, and that's what they do five or six times down the court, maybe seven or eight. Hit baskets, don't hit back. doesn't matter. That's what they do. And then all of a sudden they come down the court and they switch it up. Now they're trying to get at the Bonacum, 
and they're trying to set it up with him either at, the, at a high post, even a low post, or at a wing, trying to get him the ball, get him some touches. But now they just kind of changed what they were doing. They're not doing that kind of speed game, as it were. Um, and suddenly it's not as easy for them to dive into things. And it's caught every, you know, it's caught the, they're not succeeding there now. Things have slowed down on them and they're, they're kind of in no man's land, if that makes any sense. And then they switch out of that a couple rounds later. And now they're back into the quick step guys and trying to do something in a, in a particular way. And then they go back to the Bonica. They're switching in and out. I don't know if it's, I don't know necessarily if that's, if that's, um, Chuck McBreen's decision or just a squad team. But, you know, again, Christopher Mosley and, and, and Patrick Peterson and, and Nick Stanek and Josh Ford, these are the guys who are with Bonicum on this team, along with James Long and, and some other guys. But, you know, Mosley comes down. He's a little bit quicker on the pace. Um, and, and they're driving to the basket and whatnot. And then Bonicum's not involved in the offense. And then five trips later, they come down the court. And now they're into the offense with Bonicum. Uh, but Mosley's not into the offense at that point in time. And so they're doing something different. And then they got to go. Then they go back to the Mosley model, and then they go back to the Bonacom model. And I think that's screwing them up, especially late in the game. If suddenly, let's say you need Bonacom to hit a shot, let's just say it's Bonacom. Could be anybody else. Let's say it's Bonacom and they need to hit a shot, but they you haven't fed him the ball in five or six trips down the court. I think that's where their problem is right now. The, they're they're in different places at the same time. It's almost like they're trying to get everybody involved, but they don't know how to do it. And I think that's Ramapo's problem right now. Um, I don't know if they're overthinking it or they just haven't found a way to get everything to gel. They're a good team. they got great talent. I think they can do wonders in the NCAA tournament, but they're going to have to figure a way to play the Bonicum and Mosley game, amongst other guys. I'm just using those as two different points of view. At the same time, and I haven't, I think they're struggling there. If that makes any sense. I just, I think there's something off with what they're doing offensively. And again, I go back to the Central game where they kind of got loosey-goosey and thought they were going to blow out Central and lost focus. They definitely have struggles focusing for 40 minutes and, and understanding what they need to do on the court at all times. That has not been Ramapo's strength recently. Um, and I don't know what the fix is. That's that's certainly not where I excel. But I think they need to get Bonham involved more often and not go through dry patches. And as a result, you got to do it with Mosley and the rest of them too. You got to find a way that everybody's involved almost every trip down the court, instead of it being one part of the team one time and one part of the team another time. And and it's not working. Um, and they're in trouble. To believe it or not, if they keep taking Hicks in the end jack, they're in trouble of not being in the NCAA conversation because they're at large will take enough of a hit. They didn't do enough work in the in the out of conference, in my opinion, to set themselves up nicely. Um, I know Night Slappy's run his numbers. I haven't seen him. Um, so I can't speak to him. But yeah, so that's kind of where I'm coming from on them. I think Ramapo's in a little weird area right now, and and I don't know if they know how to get out of it. Um, he said, you uh, might be able to put this out there. Uh, as soon as things are confirmed, maybe everybody know about the Hoopso Marathon and its purpose. Well, the Hoopso Marathon will be Thursday, February 1, unless we somehow change our minds. Thursday, February 1 will be our uh, 
our visit to uh, the Hoopsville Marathon. It's purpose. And I think the point of the question there was, um, in the past, it's been about our fundraiser. We'll talk more about this later, but I, I'm not sure if we're doing a fundraiser this year. I'm, we've got, I, it's tough to talk about, but for me personally, I feel weird with a fundraiser. I felt um, we've asked for money and gotten lots of money over the years that we've had to spend on things we didn't want to spend them on. New computers, new gear that we didn't plan on spending on, and as a result, we couldn't go on trips. Um, I know people have been more than gracious with their money with us, and we greatly appreciate it, and maybe we'll find a way. We're trying to do the advertising route, but I'm way behind trying to get that off the ground. Um, but we're going to make a push this week to get that off the ground. Um, and if that is successful, we don't necessarily need a formal fundraiser, but we're still going to do the marathon. Marathon will be Thursday, February 1st. We'll talk about more of that when we come up. But 10 a.m. Eastern will be the start of that. We're already working on guests, believe it or not, for that event. That's going to do it for us tonight. we got to get off the air. Um, I want to make sure there wasn't another question. I know there was some other stuff sent to us. We couldn't get to it. I apologize. Um, but I appreciate everybody uh, taking the opportunity um, to join us if we can, uh, or if you did, even if it's on air, if, even if it's on demand, you know, not on air live. A reminder, next Sunday we will not be on the air with our traditional Hoopsville we will push it right now to Monday afternoon, the following day. We're looking to do an afternoon show just to do some things differently and leave the night a little bit open. Um, we'll put a little pressure on me to get my top 25 done sooner. Um, it may change some Monday night, but I'm trying to stay away from that. I'm trying to do it Monday afternoon, get it out of the way, and try and do it a little differently during the day, um, which is sometimes fun with coaches. But we're going to be at the Palestra in Philadelphia uh, on the campus of the University of Pennsylvania where the Centennial Conference is playing five games that day at the Palestra, finishing with a men's game between McDaniel and Muhlenberg. I've been asked by the uh, conference to call a number of their of those games, so I will be doing so, if not all of them, most of them. Uh, we may do some quick little um, Facebook Periscope-type hits uh, in between games. Uh, we'll also try and get an interview or two for the next day's Hoopsville. Uh, so just be aware, next Sunday, not on the air, We'll be on the air Monday the 15th instead. Of course, Thursday show, as normal, will be on the air 7 o'clock Eastern time. As forementioned, the Hoopsville Marathon around the corner on February 1st. I want to thank our guest, Tim Shanahan from Staten Island, Roy Mahalan from Greenville, Charlie Brock from Springfield, David Wilson from Emory and & Henry, and, of course, Ryan Scott in our Top 25 segment. Also want to thank all of our um, our. Uh, uh, SIDs who help us put that all together as well. I uh, got a question. I know somebody sent us a couple videos. No, no videos. We had tech, tech issues tonight, losing one of the monitors and some other glitches that have kept us from actually opening up some of our programs uh, here tonight. So, no, we had to kind of strip it down a little bit more bare tonight. I apologize. I know this one particular person wants to see those videos. Unfortunately, can't show them tonight. We had a couple of them lined up. They just weren't available. Um, again, we'll be on the air Thursday. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. A friend of ours on YouTube reminds us it is Whitman versus Whitworth coming up on, I believe it's Tuesday. Number eight, Whitworth. There's another team I'm not voting for. I kid you not. Go to my blog. I'm not voting for Lycoming as of yet. I'm not voting for Juniata as of yet. I'm not voting for Whitworth as of yet. Uh, I'm not voting for Swarthmore as of yet. There's a lot of teams in the top 25 and high. Whitworth at eight, Lycoming at six, Swarthmore, wherever they are. 
that I'm not, don't even have on my ballot. Doesn't mean they won't be this week, but it's crazy. It's how crazy this season. I'm not saying I'm right or wrong. I'm not saying the other voters aren't right or wrong, but there's a lot of teams. Anyway, number one, Whitman um, is hosting number eight, Whitworth. That is coming up on Tuesday night. Uh, the person said, do you think the Pirates uh, will be able to keep the Blues under 100 points? I actually do think the Pirates will keep it on 100 points, but it'll be a high-scoring affair nonetheless. Uh, I, I look forward to watching that game uh, coming up as well. But that's going to do it for us. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Again, we'll be back here Thursday night, 7 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, a reminder, on Thursdays, we'll primarily talk to the East, Mid-Atlantic, Great Lakes, and West regions. Maybe a South team thrown in when the schedules don't work out for them to be on a Sunday. Our Sunday night shows tend to be Northeast, Atlantic, uh, South and Central regions. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, interact with us when you can. Appreciate you taking the time to watch or listen via our podcast. I want to also thank the WBCA and ABC and D3Hoops.com for their support as well. Uh, a reminder that this is a copyrighted broadcast. Any use of this broadcast, you better get some permissions from me to do so. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll talk to you on Thursday night. You've been watching Hoops, presented by D3Hoops.com. From the WBCA and ABC Studios. Good night, everybody.